Stories of addiction, depression, self-harm, heartache, war, fear, and hopelessness echoed in his mind. Every night, a fan would share a different story. Although Jake was the well-recognized frontman of August Burns Red, he was at a loss for how to help. He wasn't a mental health specialist, and he screamed into a mic for a living. Not exactly the picture of expertise his fans needed. Deep in thought and prayer, all Jake knew was that something had to change. Heart support is about building a place where people can come together as they are while exploring healing. They provide relevant resources to an increasingly digital generation, teaching them to give back and help others grow stronger together. Every year, they help men and women brave their wounds, find purpose, and discover healing. Their goal is to create a legacy, a term we often use, of life transformation, freeing them from suicide, addiction, abuse, and mental health issues, while empowering them with the realization they are loved unconditionally and supported by a community that believes in them. You know, it's long been our goal at the Veterans Project to not just create awareness through storytelling, but to generate an actionable process where our community gets the much-needed mental health resources it needs to find healing. We hear that number of 22 a day all the time, but what are we doing to put an end to that? Through our relationship with Heart Support, we believe that restoration can be just around the corner. Join us on twitch.tv backslash heart support on November 11th, Veterans Day, for the beginning of our new partnership and an introduction to our plan of action. To learn more and find out how you can help, send us an email at info at heartsupport.com. You know, I think one of the coolest parts of this new podcast journey we're on is the ability to sit and revisit the stories of some of these veterans that we've covered in the past because some of these guys are now my friends. And so it's very rare that we have in-depth conversations about their path, but the podcast affords me that opportunity to sit down and have that discussion. I think one of my favorite photographic essays to date was one of my first projects back in the 2016 timeframe when I met up with a former special operations medic who was out and working for $10 an hour as a ranch hand. You might remember his boss from a couple of podcasts ago, Buster Frierson. At the time, Bert Kuntz was not only working a ranch, but had, with the help of a few friends and family, including Buster and Candace, started a t-shirt company called Peacemaker Trading. Well, that t-shirt company produced roughly 200 shirts, which all sold in a period of about 30 minutes. Since then, the name has been changed to Bison Union. The company moved north from Fort Worth to Sheridan, Wyoming, but the success has followed in droves. Bison Union is now the foundation of a blooming lifestyle brand, a coffee shop, and a bison herd, which will begin selling meat around the country in the near future. A lot has changed since we followed Bert around the range in Parker County, Texas, but one thing has become far more evident to Koontz in his entrepreneurial journey. There is no room for ego, which just so happens to be part of the namesake of his new podcast, appropriately titled kill your ego. For those of you who don't know a lot about Bert's past in the A-teams as a Green Beret, we'd suggest you go back and read his project, which is at the link in the podcast description. This was not an interview that dwelled too much in the past, but serves more as a look into the future of Bison Union and how true happiness and growth reside on a foundation of humility. We apologize in advance for some of the outside noise you might hear, but it seemed only appropriate that we did the podcast at the Bison Union Coffee Shop in downtown Sheridan. Such a cool environment. If you get a chance, please go down and visit such an awesome coffee shop. 
And you can get your T-shirts and hats, stickers, everything you want for Bison Union. He's a lifestyle brand maker, a chicken rancher, the Baron of Bison, and your favorite small town barista. Here he is, the one and only Bert Kuntz. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project Podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. Welcome to the Veterans Project Podcast. We are here in beautiful, gorgeous, stunning Sheridan, Wyoming at the headquarters of Bison Union Coffee, Bert Koontz. Yes, sir. Thanks for How are you guys on, doing? Man. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, Tim? Doing well, man. Doing well. We had a good morning. We did. It's, you know, that's that to me, I've gotten in a weird zone where I, I try and go to bed about eight o'clock at night. What ends up happening is I'll wake up in the middle of the night for a little while. I've also got a brand new puppy Yeah. so that, you know, she'll sleep through the night, but I wake up to take her out just to keep training her. But try, I've been trying lately to get up at three, three thirty in the morning. You know, that's kind of my, my zone right now. <laughs> You're supposed to stop that after the army. <laughs> I know, I know, man. I and I always make fun of you know other you know other people that do podcasts and write books and do other stuff that yeah. and even generals out there you know that give commencement speeches are like get up early, yeah. like man, f, f that <laughs> sleep, sleep. If you don't have to get up, don't get up. Now I'm like geared, but I also live in the mountains and yeah. You know, one of the things that changed for me is I have 25 chickens and two of those are roosters and they are clockwork 4.30 in the morning. So Yeah, so there's no sleeping. Nope. It doesn't exist. Anybody out there that's got chickens that's listening to this and roosters, like there is no there's no ifs, ands, or buts you're getting up. Like especially, you know, they're, I live in a tiny. How many do you have? 25. Jeez, wow. Which is a lot. But, yeah. you know, when we bought these things, we went to what's Shipton's Big R here. It's, 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 an, it's a ranch store. Okay. And they have them. They get them in the same time every year in the springtime. And I just kind of went through and we picked out two of each. That's not a good model. You know, no. after <laughs> after asking some people that actually own chickens, that's not a good model. But, you know, it works. Yeah, but, yeah. But this morning was good, man. Like, you know, yeah. we met, you know, Tim and I met uh, this morning. Tim drove from Sheridan. I drove from Story, Wyoming and yeah. met in a small town called Claremont. Claremont. And that's drove. a cool gas station, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's real. It's 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 you know about as old school as you can get. It feels like Wyoming. It does. One pump. Yeah. Across the street from a grain mill, and you know a BNSF train depot, and really, I think there's probably Claremont might have 50 people. I could be wrong. It could be a little more than that, but it's a small town smack in the north central part of Wyoming, and couldn't pick a better place to meet to go out to a ranch and look at some bison. Yeah, that was an incredible experience. I mean, you know, it's been a while since we last met, since we last did this. Uh, I think your project was in 2015, 2016 yeah. time range. Probably. Yeah, it was. It you, was. You were one of my first, probably one of my first five. Yeah, you had done Tyler Gray. Yes, Tyler. And Tyler Gray's the one that called me and said, "Hey, you got to meet this guy, Tim." Yeah. And you know, and then you and I talked, and you came out and met Buster and I and and Candace, obviously. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2015. That was an incredible environment. Well, what I was struck by in that meeting was just. 
uh, your humility immediately and taking that, you know, $10 an hour cattle hand job, you know, yeah. where you're working the ranch, you're working hard with Buster. We all know how hard Buster works. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> One of the best cowboys in the world. And we're getting out there and just getting after it at 3.30 a.m., right? And like, Yeah. You know, I would leave the house. Buster, you know, typically starts 4.30, 5 o'clock in the yeah. morning, but... You know, Buster's one of those guys that's up, you know, an hour before that. He makes his breakfast. He makes his coffee. He's got his ritual yeah. that he does every morning. And, you know, I've kind of fallen into that. I'm not a rancher. I, I You know, I, I say that on social media all the time. People are like, oh, you own a ranch and you own bison. That doesn't, <laughs> you that doesn't, own bison. That doesn't make yeah. you a rancher. Like, again, you can you can own an airplane yeah. and and have it in a hangar and own the hangar. That doesn't mean you're a pilot. It right. Just, it just doesn't. You have to learn how to fly that thing. And I'm learning by the seat of my pants. And oddly enough, you know, right before we started this podcast, we're in the coffee shop here in Sheridan, Wyoming. And, you know, two of the biggest bison ranch managers in the entire country that work for Turner Enterprises just came in to, to buy some coffee and to say hi. That's how the bison industry is. Yeah. And, you know, they run one of them. Dusty runs the largest herd in the in the, in the history of America. Wow. Um, outside of the original, you know, when you had 30 billion bison running around. But you, you saw that they yeah. came in. Could have been nicer guys. Yeah. Know? You know, they'll sit here, and if I had more time, two days, they would answer every question that I have learning how to do this. You yeah. know, it's 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 pretty incredible. So, obviously, you know, people have, you know, a lot of people have read over your project, but a lot of people have been, you know, have come on to the project after you were a part of it. So, I wanted to kind of backtrack through your life a little bit and get yeah. a little background to how you got to be in a chicken rancher. Yeah. Chick, a chicken rancher who owns a herd of bison. Exactly. I, lo- I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. You should. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's yeah, an amazing it, life. It is. And, you know, obviously the project before, I hadn't been out of the military that long. Um, and and, and I, I said it then, I'll say it now. I, I was mediocre. I came in. I joined the Army a couple of days after 9-11. I, when I say joined the Army, I wasn't in basic training then. I, I started the process. Right. You know? I, I said, hey, this is my time. I come from a family, a multi-generational family of, of military veterans, and no, none of the siblings, none of my siblings that are older than me joined, and I, that's not a ding on them. Yeah. But when 9-11 happened, that was kind of for me, I was just, I was kayaking, I was working at an outdoor shop in Boulder, I was traveling to South Africa, you know, and doing, you know, community upliftment stuff over there, and 9-11 happened, I joined, and I had no clue like I just you know you can watch movies you can meet people that are veterans you know like for me and I I think we touched on it last time we talked but like going to Fort Benning Georgia to you know the the in-processing center there man I had no clue what I was getting into I followed the Grateful Dead and kayaked and you know lived on grilled cheese and cheetos like i just had no clue you know i was like i can do this i'm in pretty good shape i live in you know at the time i was living in boulder colorado and bouncing back and forth to south africa and you know i was a runner and a kayaker and i'm like i can do this yeah but you're just no nothing can compare you know like nothing nothing in the world can compare or or prepare you for the psychological side of joining the army. Yeah, yeah. Well, you especially know because you went the special forces route. Yeah, I did, and and I came in on the 18 X-ray program, which you know sent me to basic training, infantry basic training at Fort Benning, and from there went to a SOPC or a prep program. And it might have changed now. It's been you know, it's, God, that was in 2002. Yeah, that's almost you know, we're 
it's almost 20 years ago. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, and then I went straight to selection. I chose 18 Delta, got 18 Delta, which for those listening that don't know is 18 Delta is, is, is a special forces medic. That's not the other Delta that everybody always thinks when you say 18 Delta. They're like, oh, you're one of those guys. I'm like, no, I'm one of these guys. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was a special forces medic and, and I originally wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but I've, you know, I figured out and I still, you know, I am a swimmer and mm-hmm. I don't like to be cold and I don't mind being cold. I don't yeah. mind being wet. I don't like to be cold yeah, and boy. wet. Yeah. You know, but when I joined, man, it was a kick in the nuts. And then, oddly enough, getting to Fort Bragg and going through that program and actually spending time around actual Green Berets was pretty pretty neat for me. Yeah, they were assholes because they had to be, right. but they were assholes in in a very unique way. It was a mentorship. It was like a big brother that wanted you know that wanted you to grow up and get a beret. Yeah, if does that make sense? Like I'm trying to totally. explain that. Yeah. Like it was just. You go through these training programs, and all the guys that ran the training program were were current or National Guard or active SF guys that had, at that time, it was a big deal for somebody to have gone to Iraq or Afghanistan, you right. know, and, and come back. And some of those guys had already done a couple tours, and that was a big deal. You yeah. Know, there hadn't been a war like that in a long time. Yeah. So, you know, these guys are walking around, and people are like, oh, my God, that guy's been to... You know, before that, it was the Somalia guys. A couple of those guys were like, oh, man, he was a ranger in Somalia, and then he was an SF guy. But, you know, that was the first, my first introduction to to Special Forces guys, or guys in general, just the 82nd at Fort Bragg, that guys had gone to war. Yeah. And, you know, it changed my life. Like, watching people that had come back from war, you know, you go through that prep and that build-up, and they build you up in Special Forces to be prepared for that. Um, so it was a neat experience. Yeah. What's uh, it like coming into those teams? You know, there's obviously that respect level. You kind of spoke of it as older brothers. There's camaraderie yeah. there. You're a part of the team, but you're not quite a part of the team. There you no. And, and, you know, for me, you, you know, the 18 Delta course, you're there at that time and it might've changed, but at that time, the, just the MOS portion of becoming a special forces medic was 13 months long. Mm-hmm. And you took like 192 exams, some of them written, most of them were hands-on. That's everything from CPR all the way to what, what at the time they, you know, trauma management. And that yeah. was where you were working a patient head to toe that had trauma. It's one of the t- toughest pipelines you can go through. Uh, you know, it's, I, I won't say that because I went through it. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I think other pe- if you looked at it from the outside, it was very rigorous. Arguably the hardest part of my entire military career was the 18 Delta course. Yeah. And I just wasn't a good, so I was a product of public school education. I wasn't very good at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like to sit in a classroom. I would have much rather been out riding a dirt bike with my dogs in, you know, the, the rural Kansas, you know. But when you really get into it, the 18 Delta course, you're there 13 months and it's medic. So, you know, like one of the first classes you ever do is they bring all 60 of the guys in my class. You get a partner, you go into a giant room and you have to give a digital rectal exam on your partner and your partner has to do it back on you. Sounds so fun. Yeah, it's not fun. And it's definitely not fun in a room with 60 dudes that are doing the same thing with no curtains, no nothing. Like, there's no privacy. Like, this, there's nothing comfortable about it. Yeah. And because you have to do a physical exam. Right. And, you know, that was kind of from there on, you know, you develop this kind of dark humor. Yeah. And and we didn't talk about the last time, but man, there's the the military, as you know, yeah. It has is has a remarkable and and I think it's important to talk about it nowadays because the rest of America has lost that humor. You know, yeah. I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but 
you know, most people know who Richard Pryor is. They know who mm-hmm. Robin Williams is. They know who Eddie Murphy is. They know who Kennison. George Carlin is. Kennison. Yeah. You know, uh, Andrew Dice Clay. You can name a hundred different comedians, and I, I highlight comedians because, you know, that was my first exposure to, you know, black comedians making fun of white people and white mm-hmm. comedians making fun of black people. But it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Like they were making fun of each other. Yeah. You almost and, can't do that now. No, and like Dave Chappelle and some of these guys, and they used to have Def Comedy Jam. Like, that kind of humor is the humor that you'd have in the military. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it would, you know, guys, you're always going to get people that are idiots, but, you know, that's one of those things that I miss a lot. And it started for me in the 18 Delta course. That's when I really started to understand the Band of Brothers, the the Vietnam era, you know, even World War One and beyond that this that word camaraderie and, yeah. and brotherhood and i say brotherhood because at that time no female had gone through special forces right. training yeah. so i'm not being sexist by any means you know <laughs> yeah. I, I hope women go through it and i hope women pass and i hope i hope they can you know i hope that happens but you know that for me set the tone for my entire military career and i was only in for just under 11 years um this is still a good amount of time it was and i had no intention to be honest with you I wanted to only go in for five years. Really? You know, I wanted to do one 18 x-ray enlistment, go into special forces, serve my country post 9-11, try and help get the guys that, you know, facilitated 9-11 and, and put, not, not get those guys, like, but play my part right. in the proper response to attacking the United States. Yeah. And, you know, I had no intention, but then you get into special forces, which is not an easy feat. No. Uh, not for me. There were some guys that I watched, and I'm like, okay, that that guy, like, those guys are good. Yeah. Um, I was not one of those guys. I was 145 pounds soaking wet, and the Q course was pretty tough for me. Yeah. And I had been, again, eating, you know, grilled cheese and Cheetos and, you know, kayaking and living on my own schedule. I went to work at 10 o'clock and in the morning and left work at 8 o'clock at night. That, for me, that, you know... I didn't wake up in the morning. I didn't have a regimented life. Nobody was yelling at me. Nobody you mean was, that regimen doesn't fly in the Green Beret community? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it does not. It does some days. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some days, you know, the Special Forces community is, is remarkable in the sense that guys have common sense. Right. You know, that's, that's the one thing I will say. I would look at some other units in the Army and go, holy shit, yeah. why are you still doing things the same way? Like, you are the guys that were wearing wool suits in South Carolina. <laughs> in an open field walking towards each other and shooting each other. Yeah, like, yeah. And then finally somebody went, Hey man, what if we got behind rocks and trees and shot those guys <laughs> from the side, you know? And it's like, Oh, there's still military units out there that are still out in the open field. Right. And they haven't figured out, Hey, get behind some cover and concealment. That's a really good analogy. I like that. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to me, but you know, special forces that it's, it, that I will say if, you know, green Bray, you know, if it translated to two words for me, it would be common sense. Yeah. That's you know, I awesome. Just, I just, and you've, you've done a lot of these interviews. Some of your best friends are, are former green berets and green current green berets. Like it's, it's a pretty common sense community. Yeah. I think that's one of the things I like the most about it is I just feel the most naturally relaxed around you guys. There's just a lot of common sense and there's no, like, you know, I was discussing it with some guys the other day, but there's no, you guys don't make it hard on people to talk to you either you're very comfortable to be around you're immediately yeah i think you have to be you know because they force that on you and it's not just green berets it's the seal community it's it's marine recon it's it's air force special operations it's it's ranger regiment you know from a very early onset age in in that career field or in those units 
you know, you get jammed right, in, you get you get stood up right in front of you know full bird colonels and and generals, and you have to give briefs, and you can't look like a dead. <laughs> yeah, you can't tense up. Right. It's almost like you know, in high school, you get to, some people take speech classes and they're nervous. Like you, special forces is pretty simple. You leave the Q course with a master's degree in speech. Yeah, you just do. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the and not just special forces, Green Berets. Like I think every special operations unit now is turning out people that leave with a master's degree in speech. Yeah. And I, you know, most people don't talk about that, but you know, very often or very seldom do you meet a special operations guy that that's, that's an introvert and doesn't talk well to people. Yeah. And they're out there. You know, right. I, I work with guys on teams that would go two months without saying a word to anybody, you know, they, but that's wow. who they are. Yeah. But they were also very, very good at what they did. It was mostly combo guys that I noticed that were just kind of weird, you know, yeah. you know, that, that's interesting that, that you know, your your Bravos, the guys that do weapons, your 18 Deltas are weirdos, your Bravos are, you know, smash and grab, super outgoing, you know, good guys. And then you have your Charlies who are engineers and they're, your, you know, the good old boys that will talk to anybody anywhere. And they've got to find out how to, you know, find everything. You yeah. know, they're, they're the Kaiser Sozes of a special forces team. You know, they, they just do everything and find everything. Yeah. And then you have the Echoes, which are the, the Camo guys. And, you know, in my opinion, most of those guys are the guys that are kind of, not all of them but are just kind of introverted and they like numbers. They like communication. They like electronics. They, they just have a different brain. Yeah. They like to take things apart, put it back together. Yeah. Take things apart, put it back together. Right. Fix this, you know, dial in combo, put in crypto. But anyway, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole again. But no, it's okay. No, but that, you know, that to me set up my, my SF career. And then I went to Okinawa straight to Okinawa and deployed. You know, I, I was forward deployed to Okinawa and stayed there for quite a while. And yeah. I went to a, you know, when I was in, it was a regular team, but I, I don't like the word regular because every team has a mission. Right. Um, but I went to a line team and then I got lucky and went into Charlie Company. We discussed this last time, the, the CIF, um, which is no longer the CIF. And mm. it's, you know, they've changed the name and then now they're, you know, from what I understand, they're just going to disband it and, and shift that community. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, and I'm so far removed, like I, I live in Wyoming and, <laughs> you know, raise chickens in Buffalo and pet dogs all day. Yeah. We're on and, the corner. And, and, and roast, there are and roast al- coffee. There are Alporns playing on the corner right now. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. you know, it is. It is an amazing community out here. Yeah. And I, I, when I left the military, you know, I had been on out for a couple of years before I met you the first time. Yeah. And I had got out and, you know, before I met you, I, I took a couple of jobs and then I took a job at the Fort Worth Zoo. And that to me was great. It, it was a good transition. I forgot about that. Because, yeah. you know, I did that for two years as kind of a vet tech slash zookeeper, more on the vet tech side. I did more pharmaceutical stuff and med administration for animals and animal care. But I also had zookeeper duties. But, you know, a zookeeper's community is like a military unit. Zookeepers are zookeepers. Like right. You don't, you don't say you're a zookeeper if you're not a zookeeper. Yeah. You know, I know that sounds kind of funny. <laughs> no. Rule number one is zookeepers. So I wasn't really a zookeeper and I wasn't really a vet tech. I was kind of both. Yeah. And, yeah. and not full on one or the other, but that was a good thing for me. You, I, you, you talked about that principle. You talked about the principle of going a hundred miles an hour and then slowing down and you're in that traffic jam. You know, oh man. Well, you know what? What was that like? I don't want to get too far ahead because I did want to ask you some questions about being the medic and what you enjoyed the most about that. But what what was that like, that shock? You know. Oh, man, it was huge. And you and I talked about that a few years ago. And, you know, for me, man, it was a kick in the nuts yeah. um, to have to slow down. And 
it's odd, you know, fast forward now and, you know, I'm moving forward in the story here a little bit for the context, but I now have a coffee shop and a lifestyle brand and a ranch here in Wyoming and I live in the mountains and a lot of people come through here. Yeah. And I think in probably the last year and two months since we opened this place, I've probably had two, maybe three dozen special forces guys. And a lot of these guys were my mentors. They were E7s wow. or senior E7s or higher officers that are on vacation with their family going to the Yellowstone and they come by the coffee shop because they just retired after 25 or 30 years of service. Wow. And it's funny to watch those guys come in because they're kind of looking at me who is this dip it, that was <laughs> off the street that didn't know anything about shooting guns. You know, in the, in the yeah. Q course, you, if you're an 18 Delta, you're there for two and a half years and you might shoot guns once to go qualify unless you shoot on your own on the weekends. Really? I didn't know but that. Most guys don't shoot on their own because you're so buried and studying. But, you, you know, I think in the Q course, I might have fired a hundred rounds the entire Q course. Wow. So you're this ding dong that shows up to a team that was never shooting guns in the civilian world. And now you're on a team and you shoot a million rounds a month with your unit, you know, a SIF unit or somebody like that, a team that actually trains, Yeah. which is a good team to be on, you know, right. days that it sucks and you're like, we're going to the range again. Now I look back on it and go, God, I would give anything to be on a team yeah. that was going to the range every day. Yeah. I would give, I would kill the clean weapons and go to the arms room some days and just go shoot. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, here's a 55 gallon drum with nine mil over here. And here's a 55 gallon drum with five, five, six. Shoot as much as you want. <laughs> now I got to buy it for 1299 at a gun shop right down the street. And I'm like, F this yeah. man. We don't get that in a regular no. line unit, dude. <laughs> no, but uh, again, the, drum. the special forces have a budget for yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, but I miss those days. But man, you don't shoot a lot in the Q course, but these guys come through and they're, they're now looking at me like I was looking at them. Yeah. And they look at me and they go, well, how, how do you have all this? And yeah. I'm like, well, one, I have a lot of debt to go with it. You know, <laughs> you know, people, people look at my social media, they look, and it's not just me. I could name 10 other veteran Green Beret business owners or SEAL business owners that are doing well, but they also have. You know, I have 20 employees that we pay. Yeah. We've got overhead. I have rent on four different spaces. We've got a fulfillment center. We've got, you know, and I'm not, my problems aren't real problems. Those are good problems. But, you know, they're looking at me going, well, how do you do this? And, and, and I watch it in their eye and guys will tend and there's nothing wrong with it. But a lot of guys will lean back and they'll, they'll get a DOD job. Yeah. They'll go to work for Special Operations Command or they'll be a gun instructor or they'll be a combatives instructor or they'll open a med company which is great yeah but my message to people now the first thing i ask guys is if you could do anything and they start talking i'm like let me finish like mm. you outranked me you were better at everything than me but just let me let me ask you some questions if you could be anything in the world that you could possibly ever have wanted to been and don't say a green beret because you already did that yeah what would you have done if you were 15 years old? Mm. And and the, the answers are remarkable to me because they're simple jobs. Like I would like to open a fly fishing business or a hunting guide business or a woodworking business, or I'd like to write novels. I'd like to write kids, whatever it is. The, yeah. ans the answers are never, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. Like special force, special ops guys are pretty grounded. Yeah. But, and then I ask, well, why don't you do that? Mm. And I have these guys go, well, man, it just seems like, a lot and I don't want to fail and then I'm, I, I put my time up thing out again and I said okay I respect you I love you like a brother but let me ask you this you're telling me that you went into the army at 18 mm -hmm. you went into the 82nd airborne for five years you put in a selection packet you pass selection you 
went through the Q course, got a Green Beret, went to Sephardic. You went to Halo school. You went to dive school. Yeah. You went to war 14 times. You yeah. did J-sets all year. You mastered your craft at just about everything you could do. You took a desk job. And you ran operations and planning for a unit at a company or a battalion level. And you retired from the United States Army with five bronze stars, you know, two with valor, all across the board. And, the, and, and you're worried about failing at opening a fly fishing shop. And <laughs> you, you see, say it like you, that. You see yes. people's eyes go, man. <laughs> wow. You know, what's the worst that happens? You, you lose 20 grand. Yeah. And you go back to collecting the same military pension. And mm. you, you, you know how much cash do you have in the bank? And all of them have saved money. Special Forces guys, unless they're a drunk or an idiot, where they buy stupid cars and stupid stuff, most of them leave the military with some money. Right. And I'm like, just do the math. You don't use your money. Yeah. Go to a conventional bank and get a loan for 3 to 5% and, and start a business that way. Yeah. They, banks love veterans. Yeah. Just pay your bills. Yeah. That's an interesting point you just made because something you said a second ago where it's like, look at all, look at the percentage chances you have of being that guy. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it, it's literally one-tenth of one percent of American citizens will ever reach that level. And, and I'm not, again, out of all the guys I served with in Special Forces, I could probably name half a dozen that were Captain America, that were super soldiers that yeah. probably should have never joined the Army and they should have been a brain surgeon or they should have been a you know a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Just because they can do anything, they put their mind to it. They decided to do the right thing and join the military. Right. I shouldn't say do the right thing. They decided it was the right thing for them to do. Yeah. They joined the military. But I look at these, you know, everybody else is a ragtag. It's like the bad news bears. They just got it done. And that's special forces to me to a T. That's Navy SEALs to me to a T. Yeah, they have better looking guys and hair gel and all the other 50 <laughs> jokes that you can put. But when you really pull these guys apart and peel the onions back, you know, most special operations teams are like the bad news bears. You got yeah. the fat guy over here on the left. That's really good at shooting or really good at combo. You've got the captain America guy that's six foot four and 6% body fat. That'll run 40 miles, you know, drunk mm -hmm. at a, at a six minute pace. Like, but it's the bad news bears and these guys get out and I'm like, man, if I can one, if I can get my green beret, a lot of people can like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm as average as it gets, but if I can get out and work, 50 to 100 hours a week at my companies then anybody can do this like they can yeah and special operations guys don't quit like they have an inherent knack at you know being good at what they do and i i keep saying it you saw it this morning and i don't i don't brag about it because again i owe a lot of money to the bank yeah <laughs> and i owe a lot of money you know I, I i have a lot of money tied up in a lot of stuff right when you look at it the, th the two things that I think every American, the three things that I think every American should do because it's their right and the government and nobody else can take it away from them unless they're a felon. Yeah. You should vote. Mm -hmm. You should own your own business and you should own property. And yeah. I'm not talking about a half acre in a suburban neighborhood. Take some money, pick any place in the map that you would want a vacation if it's a beach, I'm not talking about living in San Diego on the beach where it's a gazillion dollars. Pick the coast of Oregon that's not a hippie, liberal, you know, crazy place with protests. Buy some beachfront property somewhere. If yeah. you want to live in the mountains, buy 100 acres in the middle of Montana or Wyoming or Alaska. Buy it now. Yeah. Like, 
put your money, if you own land, yeah, you got to pay property taxes on it. So the government's going to somehow, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't own it a hundred percent yourself because you still got to pay uncle Sam property tax. Right. But you can do whatever you want with that property as long as you're not breaking the law. Yeah. And I keep telling guys that they're, you know, they're living in suburban neighborhoods and they're, they've got the picket fence and they've got the kids and it's like, man, vote, start a business of your own, even if it makes a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. and buy property. Yeah. You and hear that ve- from and most veterans of- don't do that. They, yeah. they get out and they want to do other stuff and they want to buy a bigger house. I live in an 800 square foot cabin now. Mm. And people see it on, it looks like a postcard and people assume that it's a gazillion bucks. Mm-hmm. I promise my cabin, my property is probably less expensive than 90% of the Green Berets that are former Green Berets that are out there living in cities. And you bought that thing stripped down too. I mean, no, there was not. We put we put fifty grand into sixty grand into it to, to redo it. Yeah. And I don't mind talking about it. I'm not trying to sound like I've got money. I don't like. We saved up money and we put money into it to to rebuild the inside of the cabin, which I'll get out of it the minute I sell it. Yeah. Which I'll never sell it if I if I can. I shouldn't say never. It's my intent to never sell it. But buy land. Yeah. Buy land. Yeah. Forgo the hundred thousand dollar truck you want. Take 50 of that and buy property, even if it's 50 acres in the middle of Alaska that you can only go to once a year for a week. Buy some property because you can't make any more property and people are going to start leaving cities by the thousands, tens Mm. of thousands. It's already happening. Yeah. Half the people that came into this coffee shop in the last five hours you've been here aren't from here Mm. and they're here for one reason. Yeah. They are here in Sheridan to look for property in Wyoming. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I know we're this is you know we're probably way off. No, no, off I love track. It. I want but it I, to I go just, man, it, for me, and you know me, Tim. Like I have, man, I have f-ed up way more than I've succeeded in my life. And you know, I'm not a drinker. I don't use drugs, but you know, I've made some really f-ed personal decisions, and I've been really difficult to get along with. Yeah. And those were my, you know, 99 percent of the time, I look at why. I had a conflict with somebody and it was because I was an insecure piece of shit. and I don't have that problem anymore. It's hard for people I'm not to competing. admit that. I'm not competing anymore. Not with you, yeah. not with anybody. I, I compete with myself every morning when I wake up to just be a better person. What, what brought you there? What, uh, what brought you to that place? Man, like you get <laughs> in the zone and you, you, you know, you get muscles and you get tattoos and you have a business and you get likes on the internet and you, you, you start this, you go down this weird rabbit hole of, of this false bravado and this, you know, this false sense of, of ego. And it's, it's super addicting. And I watch it. I see it every day in hundreds of other guys like me. And I know I can see it in their body language and their videos and their stories on social media, man, this dude is not happy. He's not happy. Mm. I can see it. And I was there looking at likes on the internet, looking at who's commenting, looking at how much money my business is making. And I just, I, you know, I put it, put it all in the wind and said, man, I'm not doing this anymore. How I'm calming not, has that been? For oh you? God, man. I sleep. I go to bed every night. I sleep through the night. I meditate. I wake up four hours of my day is spent sitting next to a river at night. It's the last thing I do. I get up at three thirty in the morning. And my thing now is I get up and I go naked and I take a dip in a Creek that's mountain fed 42 degree water. That's how I start my day. Half the days I don't shower anymore and I don't want to sound like a scumbag, hippie, <laughs> but that's how I start my day. And We're not talking about being Matthew McConaughey. This no, is just your and own I, thing. Yeah. And I stopped watching, you know, I stopped watching five-hour blocks of TV. I, I just yeah. changed some things because, again... TV kills your brain at a certain point. Well, the sure. internet does, too, and it, what it ends up doing is it ends up, you know, you start competing, whether you subconsciously do it or consciously do it, 
you start competing and comparing yourself to other people. And it's like, man, I ain't, I'm not competing with you. Like I'm five, eight, I'm bald. I'm, mm. you know, I'm an old man. I'm, I, it, it, my knees hurt when I get up. Like I'm done competing mm. with you. I have an average size penis. <laughs> like I'm not competing with you, man. Like I'm just not. <laughs> Not gonna, not gonna, I'm not going to compete with anybody except yeah. myself. i got to wake up every day and say, hey, you know, that it's written on my bathroom mirror. Does this, if, does this, everything I do, every time I do anything, does this support the life I'm trying to create? Yeah. Tim's coming to town to do a podcast. Does this support the life I'm trying to create? Absolutely it does because I like Tim <laughs> and I like the people that follow the Veterans Project. I'm glad I'm in that place. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be outside of that. No, and, 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 but that's what I do. Right. And the other thing is, you always have time for the things you put first. And yeah. there for a while, I didn't have time for the things that were important. You know, the things that, I, that were important that I put first were my status within the veteran community when I met you that first time we did the project. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter to me anymore. I don't care. Ask anybody I went to war with. Yeah. They're going to say, hey, Bert was a good guy. Yeah. Bert was a good guy to go to war with. That's all I care about. You know, yeah. that's it. When it comes to my veteran service, that's it. My schools, my beret. None of that matters as much as the guys that I was on a team with and in Iraq with, in the Philippines with, if you called them right now and I said, hey, did you, you know, how did I do deployed with you? Man, I would go to war with you tomorrow. That's all I need. That's I don't need awesome. anything yeah. else. I don't need to wear my beret around and sell shit. I don't need to be better than anybody else. I don't, I don't need to have better guns, knives, toys. I don't need to be bigger, stronger. I just need to wake up every day and be a decent human being. Right. How do you think you, how do you think along the way that you got lost within that and you kind of reached that? Oh, insec low point? insecurity, man. Like, really? yeah. I think when you look at a lot of these guys, like me and other people that are even way bigger than me, man, I, and I'm small potatoes in the veteran community as far as like the social media and. I disagree, and, but. And, 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 you know, my social media now is a hot mess. Like, I'm very emotional and I'm trying to be motivational. I like it a lot a positive more now. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, it, but for me, everything ties back to being insecure. Like it just does. It's insecure. And, and I'm not pushing that on everybody because there's people out there from all walks of life that have chemical imbalances in their body, you know, mm -hmm. or a disease. And I use the air quotes on disease with drugs and alcohol because, you know, I battle with that when I see people. This is a whole other conversation, but to right. me, a disease, a seven-year-old getting leukemia, yeah. that is a disease. Opening a bottle and taking drugs or opening a bottle and drinking alcohol is a choice now do people have chemical imbalances that change them and they're depressed and they need chemical substances they need stuff like that or they their body tells them they do yes but i think we got to stop babying people mm -hmm. and we got to really look at why somebody would want to drink why somebody would want to do drugs why somebody would want to beat their wife why somebody would want to put a gun in their mouth and shoot themselves not not the act of doing it and saying hey tim don't kill yourself today. Right. Hey, Tim, let's let's sit down and talk, man. Let's figure out what's making this happen and remove it from your life. Yeah. And I, you know, I got in a pretty dark place where, man, I'm just not a PTSD guy. I don't have, this was more self, you know, self-inflicted. I just put myself in bad situations. When I say that, like relationships with business partners, friends, with other people I don't even know very well. And I would start these conflicts and then it was like paranoia would drive that, oh, f that guy. Yeah. You know, and that guy would be the same way. So he'd see two people and go, my name would come up. Oh, f Bert Koontz, that guy's an a like, what a d that guy is. And it just drives this 
train of you know paranoia and insecurity it becomes and a cycle almost it does yeah. and then you wake up and you start deflecting and you start projecting and you start portraying somebody that you're not which i've tried super hard to do you, you i said it before i'm not a rancher i'm not a special forces guy anymore like i'm so far removed from that i'm, I'm going on 10 years of being out of the military yeah and for me i stopped doing stuff like posting photos of me in the military because i'm not in the military anymore yeah. you know it's okay every now and then but yeah you know, and I'm not saying this is for other guys. Like, if you want to post that, shit, do it. But at some point, you gotta, you gotta go. Hey, today is today, and I'm not in the military anymore. A lot of guys are stuck in the past, and a lot of guys have time trouble moving forward because they're still stuck there. They do, right. and and some guys will also take that and they will say, Hey, the military used me. The yeah. United States government, yeah, they paid me and they gave me uniforms and they gave me housing and they sent me to cool schools and sent me to cool places, but it's okay to use your military service to better your life after the military. Just don't abuse it. Right. You know, don't take advantage of it because that's a slippery slope. You know, if you're 10 or 15 years gone from being in the military and you're still trying to be a cool guy on the internet, <laughs> when the guns have changed, the weapons have changed, there's always going to be somebody better looking, smarter, faster, better shooter coming up. And I think guys set themselves up for failure. Yeah. That's interesting. And they do it in the veteran business space too mm. you know the next the next you know some guy is in afghanistan or syria right now that's coming up with the next big veteran company and he's guess what he's 24 years old mm. and he's still yeah. shooting and running and gunning how do you separate yourself from that because obviously i i know that bison union is a veteran owned you know company and bison coffee and all that you're doing with land and bison and yeah. all that but you don't make it like this overarching point to punch everybody in the face with your veteran status. No, and, and I get beat up for that. I get a lot of messages from really? other veterans. Oh, yeah, that say, hey, man, why don't you donate more to veteran causes? Why, are you, why, why, don't, you, why don't you do more veteran-related stuff? And we do a lot. Yeah. We just do it quietly because guess what? I'm not in the military anymore. Yeah. And the attention should go to the guys that are on teams. The, right. the attention should go to guys that have lost limbs and need prosthetics and need a house and need wheelchairs and vehicles. The the attention should go to the seven year old kid whose third group dad was killed in combat. Right. Like, I just I firmly believe that we gotta pull the attention off ourselves and start putting it on people that like the next generation or gold star families, gold star wives, gold star kids, like we've gotten a real and i was part of that yeah man the i love me i love me i'm <laughs> awesome you know and while i'm doing that and trying to get likes on the internet there's some seven-year-old or four-year-old kid that is at home looking at a picture of his dad asking his mom what happened to dad or where's dad or is you know how did he die yeah and to me you know i've really got to put things in perspective and it's not just in the military community, man. It's the police community. It's first responders. It's it's your next door neighbor that never served. Like, I just am pushing a higher cause now. Like, I just, man, and it's not a religious thing. Yeah. But, man, like, people got to be more kind and more decent. Yeah. And that's, that's also one of the things I'm pushing now is there's a lot of people that if I could, I'd cut their heads off their shoulders and I'd bury them in the woods. Yeah. But I've switched my gears. And now, for me, it's like, hey... I'm going to be as nice as I can to that person because I know the reason they are an right. is because they have their own personal issues that they won't deal with. Yeah. And I'm learning that because I was that guy. And there's a lot of people that would, f would have cut my head off and probably still would yeah. if, if they had the chance. Cause I'm an, I was an, yeah. but it's a lot of self-awareness to admit that though. It, it, takes a lot. it is man. And, and I think we have a problem with that.
Like yeah. I think we have a problem with with uh, with people admitting their faults, and you know I I can't stress it enough. You want people, to, and I said this to you when we talked before. Yeah, I still live by it. It's another one of the twenty things that I tell myself every day. If you want people to tune you out, keep telling them how awesome you are. If you want people to listen to you, tell them the shit you fucked up. Yeah, I'm serious, man. Yeah, and I I see that in conversations when I meet somebody and they're just like, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, mm-hmm. I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, and then I meet somebody that goes, No, man. God, the Q course was the hardest thing in the world for me, or I was doing this, or I'm a woodworker and I, you know, I, I messed this up or I ruined a $20,000 machine that I had to work and pay. Like, that's when you got my attention. Like, okay, what'd you do from there? Yeah. What did you do after your marriage failed? You know, what's so funny is doing these projects on these guys. I respect that guy so much more. Everybody does. Yeah. Like, it's just so much easier to talk to that person. It's like, oh, you're not Superman. Wow, that's amazing. No, (laughs) everybody does. And, you know, you can pick... People will bash actors. Military people are the worst at it. But then you look over at that guy's hooch when you're deployed for four months and he's watching 18 movies every night because there's a sandstorm and you don't have ISR and you can't go out on missions. That's the same guy that's going to trash Sean Penn and then you go over there and he's watching Sean Penn movies. (laughs) So when I look at like the best thing to compare, like Dave Chappelle, um, Robert Downey Jr. Mm. I mean, that guy's life was so up. Like he's he's almost the quintessential path a veteran takes, like a, a veteran that's up. I was just talking about him a few days ago and how inspiring his journey has oh, been. Oh, that guy's making twenty five million dollars a movie, and that guy should have never ever been allowed to come back and do movies. He had the worst. He had the most catastrophic breakdown that involved drugs, sex, everything. Yeah, and came back to be Iron Man. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of veterans get in this position where, and we're losing a lot of veterans, man. I I think once a week or once a month right now. Especially oper- during this time. Yeah, a special operations guy takes their own life. And, you know, that for me is another one. I, I've never got to that point, mm-hmm. but I've definitely got to that point where I go, man, I'm tired and yeah. I'm exhausted and that's an option. Yeah. I've never said, hey, I'm going to do it. Right. But I, I, I can't, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say at a few times in the last few years, I, I sat and said, man, that's an option. Mm. All this pain will go away. All my troubles will go away. The five companies I have that I have to worry about and give me anxiety every day. Yeah. Like is that, that's an option. Yeah. And that's a horrible place to be. But, and this is a capital B U T when you hit rock bottom and you're in that place that you're willing to give up everything, the light should hit you smack in the forehead that that's the time to give up everything in your life. That's toxic. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect time to start over. You can be anything you want to be from that day forward. Yeah. And people, wow. ha- if, if people can look at that and go, man, if I'm willing to take my own life, I should be willing to cut everything out of my life that makes me want to take my own life. Yeah. And watch what happens. Yeah. And that's what I've done. You know, I was in a dark place and I just started removing people. Business, yeah. business partners. I, I, I've got business partners that I'm still business partners with that I haven't talked to in two years and I'm not going to ever yeah. again until it's, you know, until we have to force the hand of business because they're toxic. And I'm, I might be toxic to them, and it's doing them a favor too, but sometimes you have to cut things out, alcohol, drugs, food, habits, jobs. Like, fuck, man, if you're a veteran and you don't like your job, get a new job because it will ruin your life. Yeah, that's an important point to make. Man, it's, yeah. your job, you do that more than anything in your adult life. Oh, yeah. It, it is. You, you spend hours out of your day, you do most more, of the hours. You yeah. do more work as an adult if you're a productive human being mm. at a job you hate you do more than that than you do sleep. You do wow. more than that than you have free time. And it's like, I don't know how many people I talk to and they're super unhappy at work. And I'm like, well, why don't you get another job? Well, the pay's good and I don't want to take the chance. And I'm like, well, keep being f- 
miserable, man. Yeah. Because that's an awesome choice. It is interesting to see, and you'll see it a lot in the, in our community, just as much as any community, but guys will have that job after they get out of, you know, being doing what they did in the military, and then they'll just constantly talk about their old career and what they were doing in the military and how much they hate the job they're in. And they're they're chained to that. They're slaves to that. Yeah. And just like, why, man? You have a choice now. You're not in third squad anymore with that terrible squad leader no. where it's like, a, you know, it's like you're stuck in Folsom you, prison. You, yeah, you, know? you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Like, now you do have a choice. Like you can change things. Yeah, you do. And why do you think so many guys get stuck in that? Because it's it's repetitive and it's yeah. it's easy and it punches the clock and it punches it hits all the check marks. I'm it's getting that paid. military structure. I'm getting paid. I can pay my bills. You, you know, it's just it, it's remarkable to me that well people will stay in a situation whether it's a, a a relationship with the opposite sex, whether it's a job, whether it's just even with themselves. Yeah. You know, if you're not comfortable with yourself take a deep breath and change it. Yeah. You know, if you're overweight and you don't like your own body, you don't like the skin that you're living in. And man, there's a lot of Americans that walk around like that. Yeah. Fix it. I know. Just fix it. Please like just stop and go, man, I don't want to be miserable anymore. You know, hit the, hit the pause button for a second, take a deep breath and go, okay, I can do this. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting point you just made. I was talking to another buddy of mine, a guy you know, Nate Boyer. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about that, and I said, why do we get stuck in that structure so often? And he was like, why wouldn't we? It's a government job. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. It is a government job. Like, I think I tend to think of us as supermen sometimes because no, I meet so many awesome it, guys. But It's a government job, a government and, and, job. and yeah. there's five committees in Washington that run, you know, all those, make all those decisions, and guess what? Right. 90% of those politicians making those decisions for the military have never served. They've mm. never gone to basic training. They've never gone to war. They've never lost a friend to combat. Yeah. And they're making all the decisions for people that go to war. Mm -hmm. It's in, And I'm not, I don't want to get into this conspiracy theory, you know, anti-government. I'm just, but, you know, we really have to people, when you get out of the military, when you're in the military, you work for the government. Right. You don't have a choice. You volunteered to be told what to do 24 hours a day. Yeah. And I don't care what anybody says, whatever unit you're in, whether you're in the coolest special forces unit in the history or you're in a regimented unit like Ranger Regiment, you signed up to be told what to do. And it is a 24 hour a day job. Period. Absolutely. There's no there's no off time in the military. You might get leave, but it's not off time. It's leave like you're on leave. The government allowed you to go on vacation. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. But when you get out, you don't have that. You can do anything you want. Yeah. Man, I just can't stress that. And just being a decent human being, I keep coming back to that. Like, I got into a point where I was lying and I was just not being a good person. I was not being a good spouse. I was not being a good business partner. I was not being a good anything. And I just kept digging and digging and digging until finally I was like, this is fucking exhausting. I got to put this shovel down, man. Yeah. And just walk away from this hole. Yeah. Like, and, or come back and patch it up and put some sod on it or grow some grass. Like, I, I just, and I'm not the only one, man. Is that what got you there, that point of exhaustion where you're yeah, just tired you're just of keeping miserable up that facade? And you have anxiety, yeah. and you don't sleep well, and you don't eat well, and you, you make poor choices, and then you get paranoid, and you think that other people, like, other people are thinking about you that don't give a f they're not thinking about you. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. You know, you just, you get into this weird cycle of, at least I, I'm speaking for myself. Oh, it's happened to me too. Yeah. Like I just am. And, and, and you've seen some of that with me, you know, like the last time we did this, we talked about it this morning. You put on there that I was an OEFP or yeah. that I was an OEF. Yeah. Right. We just left the P off. Yeah. And it wasn't intentional to make it look like a, no f 
fucking special forces guy that's doing an interview is going to say he's been to Afghanistan if he hasn't. I've never been to Afghanistan. Right. You know, it was the Philippines. And some people, I didn't even know some, he was a thing. Some, people, some people beat me up for that. And, and it's like, dude, if, you, if that's who you are, yeah. if, if that's the person that you're going to attack somebody because there's not a P on the end of their OEF, yeah. like, again, I'm, I, listen to the interview. I you never, never once talked no, about Afghanistan. and I never would yeah. because I've lost really good friends in Afghanistan. I would never fake my military career. Right. Like, my military career is, like, I'll put my DD-214 on the internet. I don't care. My, yeah. You know, minus my social security number. I, I, I just <laughs> yeah, don't. don't do that. You, you, you know that, like right. I would, because it just, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I keep saying it, I, it's been so long, I'm not in the military anymore. But my whole thing now is, man, positivity, positivity, positivity. And I've got the smallest circle of friends that I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And I would die for all of them. I would go to war for all of them. I would take their phone call in the middle of the night. And I say it all the time. You know, good friends help you move furniture. Great friends help you move bodies. Like, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. And I have, you know, four or five people in my life that that I trust. And that's also helped me a lot. I've cut a lot of white noise out of my life. That's and, awesome. you know, one of the things that I do, and you kind of witness some of that, my thing now is that if, if people around me start talking negatively about other people that aren't in the room, mm-hmm. I'll call one, I'll call them out on it, and two, I'll leave the conversation. Get yeah. That person's not here to defend themselves. Don't be a coward. And I used to be one of those people that talked behind people's backs. Yeah. I won't do it anymore. If people talk negatively about somebody else that's not in the room, I hit pause on the conversation and I leave just because it's toxic. It's like cancer. It doesn't benefit anyone. No. And yeah. it, it, this isn't the military community. This is life. Right. Like if you find yourself in a position that you're engaged in a conversation that's negative about people that aren't in the room, stop. Obviously, there are situations where you have to do that. Criminals, thieves, yeah, you know, child molesters, weird stuff like that. You're going to talk bad about other people, but your average everyday gossip in the military community is horrible at it. Leave the, leave the conversation. Yeah. Like, walk away because it ain't going to help you. It ain't going to help them, and it's not going to help the person that's not in the room. I love that. And it's, that's, you know, my life in the last three months, mm-hmm. I've literally walked away from conversations where people text me 10 minutes later and go, dude, are you okay? And I text back and say, hey, man, I'm not going to sit in a conversation unless you talk trash about somebody who's not in the room. Yeah. Not going to do it. And they get mad at me and I'm like, see ya. Yeah. I don't need you in my life. Right. If that's who you are, yeah. don't need you in my life. It's just so much negativity. Man. It is. Yeah. And all it does and is bring cancer. you down. Man, it's a cancer. Yeah. It's a cancer. Yeah. And it leads into, I think it can lead, you know, potentially lead to depression, you know, and some negative impact in your life. You felt that. I felt that man, myself. Talking bad about other people and belittling other people only hurts you. Yeah. It, it only it only raises your insecurity that other people are doing mm. the same stuff to you. That's like true. It just, it, 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 I, I will prove you wrong. Anybody that argues that with me, I'll prove them wrong 100% of the yeah, time. Yeah, true. It's like, that, it's like that disloyal relationship where the husband's constantly going, or the wife's constantly going, what did you do? What were you doing over there? Yeah. What were you doing? It's like, why are you so insecure about yeah, that? Why, yeah, exactly. And well, it starts this cheating. weird <laughs> chess game back and forth. And I've been there. And it's like, man, not going to do it. If I don't trust you with my life, with my money, with my partner, right? man, I, I don't want you in my life. Yeah. It's like, if you have a friend that's toxic to you, yeah. move on. I've had those friends before like, and like I have m- moved on. M- move on and move on fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's... My tight circle is super tight. There's like 10 people, you know? It's yeah, like, it's, the same, it's the same deal. And, yeah. you know, I, again, I'm not an easy person to deal with. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you, you, you've known me now for, what, five years? Five years, yeah. You know, I'm not an easy person to deal with. And I go through ups and downs just like anybody else. Um, 
you know, my answer to that has always been work harder. <laughs> that sounds so awesome on a t-shirt. Yeah. But it looks awesome on in, a t-shirt. In theory, yeah. working harder might make things a lot worse. You, you take a day off. Yeah. Find yourself. Be happy. Find peace. Yeah. And sometimes to do that, you need to unplug. Right. The premise of work smarter, not harder. Yeah. In that time. And yeah. that's it. You don't have to work every day. Your business will probably be fine if you have good employees. And, and Candace and I have done that. Like, we now are okay taking a day or two off and saying, you guys got this yeah. good and trusting the business is not going to burn down. Yeah. And guess what? It hasn't burned down. No. You in know, fact, it, it's pretty beautiful. <laughs> we're not doing, we're not doing brain surgery. Yeah. We're just not. And just to preface this, you know, we're sitting in the coffee shop right now, Bison Union Coffee here in Sheridan, Wyoming. We're on the corner of Grinnell Plaza and Main Street, and it's simply beautiful. I mean, everything from the woodwork to your branding to everything around you just reminds you of the Old West, and you've set it up that way on purpose, but I just love, I'm very picky about branding, um, as you've noticed with my logos and the way that I do things, uh, but I just love your designs and love everything that you put together uh, with Candace, and this, and this shop is incredible. How did you get from where I saw you? <laughs> Because <laughs> I saw you on that ranch and I saw you working and you were yeah. selling T-shirts. Well, and, and Buster's an owner in this, and yeah. Buster's a big part of, of this. Buster's huge in this. Yeah. You know, Buster's, you know, Buster's a constant source of motivation for me. But to answer that question, then again, it comes back to you know hard work. But yeah. you know, it also, you know, Candace and I have been through a lot since this all started. Were there and days when you wanted to quit? Yeah, but Mike wanting to quit a few times was more more based on a principle of please don't change the brand like right. don't change what this is don't change this all started in my brain mm. and buster was a big proponent of that candace has been a huge proponent she's built the entire back end if, if i had to quantify it and she might get mad when i say this but candace built the company and i built the brand mm. we both helped each other on both of those sides obviously i did a lot for the company and she's done a ton for the brand yeah. but those were kind of our parallel lanes that we just kept going forward with but we also you know we moved twice we partnered with people that we probably shouldn't have part partnered with a few times we you know we've got four dogs you know, we've always had you know we have five dogs now between the two of us and you know our dogs are always going to be our dogs our businesses are always going to be our businesses but man we've been through more than most people will go through in 10 lifetimes and yeah. five five to eight years were there a lot of things that you that you would avoid now looking back that you've done it or would you go through those things oh purposely man knowing what you you know people say don't regret things bull <laughs> bullshit man like i regret yeah. a, i regret a lot of decisions yeah and i regret a lot of people that i've let into my personal life mm. and my business life yeah. uh buster and candace are not two of those people yeah you know I, I couldn't choose two better business partners than those two people but you know, I've, I've made, man, I've got, I, the list is too long to even talk about the regrets that I have and the decisions. If I went back and did this, I would have done totally different. Yeah. I think the number one thing, and Candace and I talk about it a lot, we would have just stayed focused on the few things that we were good at. Yeah. Be in business, be really, really good at a few things. Mm. And it, it, when you have like a work, I always use the analogy of if you started a job, be the best trash taker outer ever. Yeah. And then move on from there. Right. You know, start simple and be the best trash taker outer at the end of the day. 
or the beginning of the day, be the best at cleaning up and sweeping and then go from there and then move on. Take this coffee shop as an analogy, then go on to being the best barista. Yeah. And then go on to being the best person that knows more about coffee being to the origin of coffee, what coffee tastes like, the, 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 the caffeine levels in coffee, the roast profiles, the enzymes in coffee that change as they roast, then become the best person at working and maintaining and cleaning the coffee roaster and then do the whole building. Yeah. But start with the trash. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, if you go to any business in the United States and you just watch them for a week and watch people take out the trash, there's very few people who are perfect at taking the trash out. <laughs> Everybody else is like, I gotta take the trash out. Yeah. But there's that one mother out there, man or woman, that takes so much pride in taking the trash out and putting a new trash bag in. Mm. That's the person I want to be in my life. That's awesome. And we've got, you know, I, she's a 16 year old. She doesn't work for us anymore. That, that, you know, she's a 16 year old that looks like she would, you know, be an Abercrombie and Fitch or something that yeah. when we started, you know, she, out of everybody that works here, she cleaned the bathrooms better than anybody. And yeah. I'm like, that kid's a winner. Wow. And I'm like, Hey Kylie, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to start my own mobile coffee shop. And she's 16 years old. She's already got a college degree, but she can't get her college degree, collect it, her diploma until she graduates from high school. Wow. But you find people like that and go, man, this, this is, this is a winner. Yeah. And it's okay to be a winner. It's America. It's okay to be a winner. Right. Don't be a loser. Like yeah. just <laughs> don't be. And I know that's, you know, some people don't have a choice. Yeah. There, um, there's socioeconomical situations. People are born into poverty. They're born into crime. They're born into horrible situations. I'm not, not everybody. And we're getting into political. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> no, going down a no, rabbit no. hole here, man, but yeah. it's relevant right now because it's easy to look at inner city Baltimore or Chicago or some, well, why don't they f- clean that shit up in Chicago? It's not that easy, man. No, it's not that easy. Thousands of layers deep. It, it is. Yeah. And, and you know, a five-year-old kid on the street in Southside Chicago doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Like that kid doesn't have a choice. Yeah. doesn't matter what color he is. doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Like he's born into crime and poverty and has to work grind claw 10 times harder than somebody that grows up in, you know, rural Sheridan County. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't have to worry about getting shot when they go to get milk. That's the truth. Yeah. But I, I'm and I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but man, the whole, no, the whole sense. thing with me, Tim, you ask how I got here. And, and I think at the end of it, if I could sum it up with one word, and it's not just me, it's Candace, it's Buster, it's Tyler Gray, it's heart, man, like heart. You can be the biggest ass on the exterior, but if you have heart and you, at the end of the day, treat people decently and you work hard and you don't, you're not dishonest and you take pride in your work, man, anybody in America can start any business they want and grow it. You yeah. know, if people want it, you can start a business. And I keep telling veterans that get on Shopify, talk to Shopify. They will walk you through the entire process from start to finish, just starting a business. It, you can tell them, I don't even have a product yet, but I want to start a company. And somebody at Shopify is going to help you start a company. Yeah. You know, do it, man. It just, you start a business, even if it's a side business that you only do for two hours a night and one day of the weekend. Yeah. Because veterans, we have a problem of, you know, veterans will get out and they go through that transition where they slam on the brakes and they're like, oh, I'm going to take a year off. Yeah. And I watch them and, yeah, you can only work out so much. You can only look at the Internet so much every day. Don't take a year off. Take a couple days a week off or three days a week off and then put stay active. Yeah. Pick up an instrument. You saw me. I bought a ukulele today. Yes, I did. It's a I beautiful keep, ukulele. I keep, I keep doing that stuff. Am I going to be good at the ukulele? Who knows? Yeah. But 
might just be keep, world champ. keep your brain going and yeah. stay positive and stay active. And you know, I'm starting to sound like Tony Robbins, and that's <laughs> not it's not who I am, but it's who I'm becoming. Tony Robbins. Man, I want to be a light. I want to add value to every relationship, whether it's a checker at Albertsons or it's you. Yeah. I want you to walk away and go, God, I like that guy. And not because he's cool, because he cares. Right. And he's yeah. a decent person. And I, I have, there, man, I've, I won't say it on here, but man, I, I'm, I'm not. I've had times in, in, the, in the recent part of my life where I was not a decent human being. Yeah. And I have to live with that. Yeah. You know, I have to live with that. But I think. I'm on a path now to be a decent person and I will do the best I can. And at some point I will go back and try and fix and remedy relationships that I haven't been decent in, whether it's a business one or my marriage or a partnership. I'm trying, man. Yeah. And I think more veterans need to do that. Not just more veterans, more Americans. I know this is a veterans project. I keep seeing it. Nate, I keep seeing it with Nate. I keep seeing it with, I could name 50 other guys that are just, you can see how they had some turmoil and they're coming to terms with that and they don't talk bad about anybody. Right. They won't engage in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Gray's another guy that when I talk to him, you know, I would start down this path of talking, you know, being upset or angry about somebody and he would diffuse it immediately. Like, Hey man, it's not going to help you. Yeah. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help anybody. Like right. they don't matter. Yeah. Do they, they don't live in your living room. They mm-hmm. don't work at your business. Yeah. They don't run your bank account. They don't put gas in your car. They don't make your bed in the morning. They aren't sleeping in your bed. Like that comparison game is a dangerous it's one. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the comparison game or coveting somebody else's business, their bank account, their their spouse, like yeah. man, find people that you love and that genuinely make you happy and it's okay to be goofy. It's okay to be who you are. It's okay to be you know, it's okay to be who you are. Just be decent. Yeah. I think that was an interesting point you were making earlier about, you know, that the business process and giving advice to veterans and you know just starting something i think so many times i get i get a lot of questions after doing a project on a veteran who's you know well known in the sphere and it's often hey you know how did they do that and uh, how do i get in contact with them i want to find out how they got i want to get to the level that they're at and it's like well you got to start something first. You can't just you do, move to and Z and you do. starting from A, you know? People ask me those questions, and the two guys that I always use, the two guys that I always use for this are, are Matt Best and Jared Taylor, mm-hmm. who I've, you know, I'm friends with, I've worked with. I think I've heard of those guys before. Yeah. <laughs> and we had the conversation this morning. Like, you know, people think that, you know, Matt, I always use Matt as an example and I don't talk to Matt much that I don't talk to many people much anymore, but when I do talk to Matt, it's like, Hey brother, I love you. Yeah. Miss you. It's a quick conversation to just say you good, you good. But people assume that in the last five years, Matt stepped in, you know, a pile of cash and got good looking and got famous. I mean, those guys were putting out videos 10 years before anybody else in the veteran space made a t-shirt made a hat or made a video. I remember my civilian friends coming to me and showing me Matt's videos. Man, and again, like, like they paved the way for everybody. And I hope at some point the veteran community will step back and go, you know, those guys paved the way. Like yeah. comedians do it. Actors do it. Every career field in the world, somebody will say the Rockefeller was steel, you know, Carnegie. Yeah. They paved the way for the steel industry. Those guys paved the way for the modern veteran business owner, period, yeah. hands down. 
It's okay to admit that guys are good at things. <laughs> or that, that guys pave the way. Yeah. You might be better at some stuff than them now, yeah. but you got to give them credit. Totally, you know, yeah. You, you know, every black pl- baseball player has to give Jackie Robinson some credit. You yeah. have, you know, every white baseball home run hitter has to give Babe Ruth some credit. He was doing it first before anybody with less equipment and less training, and he wasn't in the best shape. Right. You know, give that guy credit. Yeah. You know, somebody else might hit 75 home runs or 100 next year, that guy still has to go, man, I got to give some credit to the guys that started this. Totally. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, for me, it's just, there's guys, there's a list of guys and, you know, I'm going to put it on the internet here pretty soon that influenced me on the veteran side and half of them compete with me Yeah. in the business space. Right. They sell the same stuff I do. They sell the same merchandise I do, the same hat brands with different patches on them. Yeah. But I, I you know, it's, it's time for us to start giving people credit and it's time for me. I don't care what anybody else does. Yeah, it's time for me to start giving people credit in the veteran space that have paved the way. I think that inward focus in is the most important part of that. You can't control what other people do, but you can certainly control your own actions yep. and hope that those shape, you know, others. Man, you hit the nail on the head. It's written on my bathroom mirror on the bottom right hand corner. Now you can't Bert. You can't control what anyone else in this world does. You can't. <laughs> no, you can't. You Definitely. can try. It ain't going to work out good for you. No. Because it's going to lead from verbal control to physical control, whether it's your kid, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a person yeah. at a bar that's looking at your girlfriend. Like, yeah, you can escalate it, but you're not going to win. Yeah. Nobody ever wins. Nobody likes that jealous guy either. <laughs> no, not just jealous, but yeah. insecure. Like, right, yeah. You absolutely. can't control people. Yeah. You know, you, you can't control people. You can, can try and manipulate them. And I've watched other business owners mm-hmm. try and manipulate people with money, with positions, with jobs. It never works out well. Yeah. And I'm sure I've done it myself. Everybody, yeah. Every, yeah. everybody has to a point. Like, yeah. it just does. But you can't control other people. Not one person in this world can you control. So you, you've got all these, you know, different companies now, and you know, you've I've seen you expand in the last five years into you know having your own herd, and yeah. uh, of bison, which sounds like one of the coolest jobs in the world. Like having well, you bison. saw you saw it firsthand. I, it was amazing. I mean, I'm hand t- tell me bison. how you felt this morning, like. I felt probably more alive than I've felt in the last, I don't know how long. I mean, the sunrise in the middle of the mountains in Wyoming in the center of a bison herd, and you had 150 bison surrounding you and, you know, 2,000-pound bulls eating protein cake out of your hands. Like, to me, man, if you can't, like, that, you can't be in a bad mood. Like Way better than the zoo as a kid. Yeah, you can't (laughs) be in a bad mood. It's just... You know, and those are the kind of things, fly fishing, hiking in the mountains, you know, sitting at a, sitting in your backyard by a campfire, man, it's amazing what kind of meditation and therapy, just getting outside in nature, being around animals, being, you don't have to be an animal person, but like this morning, yeah, uh, I, I don't even have the words I'm to describe words it anymore. Right now. Yeah. And I do that several days a week quietly. We'll go out there and sit in that herd by myself and. You know, those animals have accepted me. And again, I don't want to sound like a hippie, but you saw, (laughs) you know, you saw they heard my voice. They heard that vehicle. And I have now a relationship with a, you know, two to, you know, 2,000, 1,800 to 2,200 pound bull, you know, bison that, you know, has a lineage of millions of years. It's remarkable. It's therapy. I know you were just the Heroes for Horses guys. And there's other people out there. And man, whether it's dogs, horses, bison, Man, doesn't matter. People just need to spend more time outdoors and more time around animals that won't judge them. Yeah. Won't talk bad about them. You know, no buffalo is going to look at me and judge me. No, no. Unless they want to 
you know, unless they're pissed off and I, and I invade their space and then they're, then they're going to judge me in one manner. I'm going to destroy you or at least knock you on your butt. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't judge personal aspects of your life. And I right. think animal therapy for veterans is, is monster. It's massive. I mean, you, you made a good point. You know, I saw that with the heroes and horses guys, you know, and just being in touch with the animals and how important that is, you know, being in the moment, uh, people that show empathy, towards animals and spend that time with animals are typically better people. Oh, you have that you, shirt. You've, you've seen me with a, with yeah. a, with an 11 pound puppy yeah. the last 24 mm-hmm. hours. Like, I, I mean, I was already on a path of enlightenment for me and being a better person, but right. I've got this now. Yeah. And you know, my ultimate goal, I don't mind saying my ultimate goal is to have kids. I'm late in the game, but I really want kids because I watch what kids, I think kids have, an incredible power on all my buddies, special operations or not, that have a really good relationship with their kids and have kids. They're more decent human beings. They're better people. Yeah. I'm not saying that people that don't have kids are bad people, <laughs> but I think having something pure yeah. to invest your time in and nurture and growth, wh- whether it's a herd of bison, whether it's an 11 pound puppy or it's a newborn baby, yeah. I think that's something that we have, as human beings we're nurturers. Not everybody's a hunter. Not everybody's a, a warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody in their heart has a little bit of that, but they also have a big piece of their heart and their brain that is for nurturing. And I think it's very healthy to want, and you should take care of yourself, certainly, but I think it's there's a certain aversion when you become so self-focused. You know, I found it within photography. It wasn't when I really became, I didn't really truly become a better person. It's not like I'm this gleaming golden child of a human. But until I picked up the camera and started focusing on the subject of these, you know, of yeah. veterans and looking at them through the lens and not focusing on myself. Because if you're focused on yourself when you're shooting, you're going to get terrible photos. Oh, yeah. And you're going to get a terrible story. Yep. So it's like, you know, what's your, your point about kids is like, if you're focusing on yourself as a parent, you're going to be an awful parent. Like, you have to avert your focus to those children to become a better person, and that's what makes you that better person. And it truly, like, focusing outward is what makes you better. I believe that. Oh, It does. And, you know, for instance, when I first started roasting coffee here on my roaster in my coffee shop, it's not just mine, but I say it in the context that my coffee shop, my roaster. Yeah, I get you. You know, I would be in my mind going, oh, man, I'm awesome. I'm back here roasting coffee now. And people freak out when I do it. But, you know, you've been in here. How many how many kids between the age of three and ten have come in here in the last five hours? A lot. A lot. Yeah. And I will I will literally the kids will walk by and they'll watch the roaster and they get this this gleam in their eye like it's a dump truck or, a, you know, an excavator or something like a train. And I just say, come here. Yeah. You know, wash your hands, come here. And the parents are just like, you see their eyes just light up like, is this guy really going to teach him how to roast coffee? Yeah. And I'll sit back there with a the kid for three hours with their parents standing five feet away yeah. and put them through the whole process of roasting coffee and the effect that has on them. That's so cool. And then the effect it has on me. Yeah. I leave work so much happier of just being able to share what I'm doing. And I think typically I'm, I'm going to shift gears back to the special operations community and veteran community. We tend to live in a shell and we tend to put ourselves in a box and in a bubble and we want to be good and we want people to see us doing awesome stuff. But man, it's a lot more rewarding to share that awesome stuff with other people and not put the focus on yourself. Yeah. And that's how that community grows. Truly. It does. It yeah. does. And this coffee shop has been a testament. Like I probably five times a week, I grab a kid and say, Hey, you're going to help me you roast coffee and the parents are just sitting back there like 
pulling the phones out, taking crazy, you know, like this is the greatest thing ever. I get letters in the mail the next week. That's not my intention. Right, right. My intention is to to grab a kid and spark some interest in them so that they'll never forget the experience of watching coffee roasting. They'll keep that their whole life. It's It's like when I had my first interaction with the bison as a kid, it stuck with me. Now I own a herd of bison because of that one interaction in Kansas, like period. Wow. That's it. Yeah. And it stuck with me my whole life. Like I'm going to own a herd of bison. Like yeah. I'm going to own one of these things. Cause I had an interaction with a bison bull when I was probably five or six years old. I don't remember what age I was. Yeah. But what's it like now having that herd? What, what, what is that, you know, that brought you there and how tough is that? You it, know? It's not t- bison are easier to raise in my opinion than beef cows. And you know, I think we did this too fast. Yeah. And Candace and Tyler and myself, you know, we spent a lot of money. <laughs> like we've spent a lot of money on this Sounds ranch, expensive. on this herd yeah. and, and and it's not money we so much had. Yeah. You know, we're still working with lines of credit and working with the bank and you know, buying a ranch in Wyoming is no joke. Like oh, yeah. they have good tax incentives for, for veterans and they help you and I I employ I implore people to to look at stuff like that. Like you can buy a piece of property and raise 10 cows on it and the government will give you an FSA or a you know first time farmer ranch loan at 1% to 1.75%. Like well, that's what people should be doing. Like yeah. if you li- it doesn't pick a city, Chicago. Pick pick any city. Move an hour outside of the city or 45 minutes outside of the city and get some property and raise some cattle. You know like just have a few that, you, that even if they're for you to process yourself and have meat for half the year. Uh, but it's not an easy thing to do and it's been exhausting, man. Like, yeah. a, like it has been, there's been nights that were just like miserable. The bank is digging in your ass. Like you, you're getting all your financials, everything you've ever done audited. And then you have to go through the process of dealing with a ranch broker to buy a ranch. The bison part was pretty easy. You just go to an auction. Like those guys, you heard them in here talking this morning from Turner Enterprises. They run the best auction in the country, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, every year, once a year, they have the auction and they sell a ton of bison. But buying bison is not hard. Yeah. Transporting them is not too hard. But raising them and caring for them is, is very, very difficult. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, if, if, if it's not done right. Right. You know, you do, you take a short cut on anything with bison, they're going to find it. Yeah. You know, they just are. They're smart animals, but. Very intelligent. Would I have done some things differently than buy a bison herd before I owned a ranch? You bet your, <laughs> you bet your, man, like, yeah. you bet your, like, I don't, th- I think any rancher that's listening to this or anybody that's from the ag community is like, that dude's dumb as dick. Did he just <laughs> say that he bought a herd of bison before he bought, had a ranch to put them on? Like, that's rule number one. Yeah. Buy your land first. Then buy your livestock. You know? <laughs> I did not know you did it in that yeah, order. Yeah, <laughs> we did it in that order. And again, again, everybody in the ag community that's listening to this or knows anything about grew up in farmer ranch communities probably just sitting there. That that guy is dum dumb. <laughs> Even I know that. You know, but it's it's. Yeah. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's the stuff that I don't regret. Regret. Right. Like those are the failures and mistakes that have made us work harder, faster, and smarter to make things happen. Yeah. And there's bad days. Like even Tyler, who's one of my best friends in the world, like there's days where, you know, Tyler's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You're just being, you're being negative. Yeah. You're, you're stressed out. Like take a deep 
breath. And there's days where I'd say the same thing to him or Candace or, you know, Buster, Buster's Buster. And, you know, I'd, I'm not the kind of person that's going to tell Buster to relax. <laughs> but I don't think anybody should no, tell Buster to relax. You know, and I have before, actually. Yeah. You know, Buster and I have, you know, we get along very well and communicate. And, right. you know, that's another part of this conversation that is important to me. Man, we've we've built up this machismo through Hollywood and just life and bravado that, you know, men have to be a certain way. And man, it's okay to tell another man that you love him. Like, yeah. Every time I talk to Buster and we end our conversation, hey man, I love you, man. You need anything? Are you good today? Yeah. Are you good? I love you, man. Yeah. I love you, man. Like, and it, and we mean it. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not queer. It's not weird. It's not. <laughs> doesn't mean I love him. It, which yeah. is, it, it, please don't misconstrue what I just said. Like, there's nothing wrong with loving another man in that manner either i don't think but that's not the case like, right, right it's okay to have a platonic normal relationship with other totally. human beings man or woman that isn't sexual that you just tell people that you actually love yeah i love you man yeah like it's okay i tell my best guy friends i love them man, all the time it's, it's, and it's yeah. not just that it's women friends that yeah. aren't that you're not in a relationship totally with. it doesn't mean that you that there's an ulterior motive there other than Thank you for being in my life. I'm grateful to have you in my life, and I love you. If Same, you ever man. need anything, I'm here. And I don't think we do that enough. And likewise, I don't think we do it to ourselves enough. Yeah. One life. It, it is. And, you know, I keep pushing that narrative, and people might read it the wrong way, but it's okay to love yourself. You know what's interesting about that, too, is what you just said about uh, Buster. Buster is one of the toughest humans i've ever met yeah and also one of the nicest he is most he, like feeling people he treats everybody with kindness until yeah. they give him a reason not you know he's he it's the dalton method yeah be nice until it's time to not be nice right and you know buster treats everybody with kindness until you know he doesn't treat him with kind and i've seen buster I'm I've sure. seen Buster not be happy with people, and I don't ever, ever, ever want to be on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah, I just sure. don't. I don't either. I just don't yeah. at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, any, anyway, you know, I was, I was saying, you know, it's okay. It's okay to love yourself. It's okay to be happy. Right. It's okay if you aren't genuinely happy. People argue this with me all the time and say, that's BS. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can make other people happy. And I'm like, no. You genuinely, I believe, cannot make other people happy if you're not genuinely happy yourself. Mm. You, you have happiness has got to be genuine and real and raw. You can't imitate that. You can't fake that. You can't. You just can't. And if you're not happy, you can put on a front. You can try and make other people happy, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a business partnership, a friendship, an acquaintance. I truly believe you have to make yourself happy and find inner peace before you can pass that on. Not all the time, but right. but if you really genuinely want to have that, you have to. Yeah. There's something special in the air out here in Sheridan, uh, Wyoming. Just being in the West, I tell my friends all the time, uh, I never feel as alive uh, until I get out there in the West, you know, move up, moving up through Colorado, getting into Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. There's just something special out here. What is it about this place that just made you want to be here? I can sum that up in one word, and it's it's respect. You know, people, Sheridan County, Wyoming, it is a red state. In my opinion, probably the reddest state in the, in the United States now, as of right now, today. Yeah. But if you're not conservative and you work hard and you respect your neighbors, you're going to get the same respect back here. I've never, I have not seen in three years, 
Yeah. I have not seen anybody disrespect anybody that was respecting them. Like yeah. it, it, there's a weird, I shouldn't say weird. There is an overarching theme in Wyoming that you just treat people decently. Mm-hmm. I keep using that word, the D word. Yeah, decent. Just be decent, man. Yeah. Like be a decent human being, be a decent person. And Wyoming's the epitome of that. Mm. If you're walking down the street here and you wave to somebody, they're going to wave back. Yeah. If you smile at them, they're going to smile back. If you say hi, they're going to say hi. How are you? If you say hi, how are you? They're going to answer you and they're going to ask you're going to be in a half. This cycle will continue and you'll finish an hour long conversation on the sidewalk in downtown with a total stranger. (laughs) I love that. And and that's everywhere. It just it just is. And I think people here still respect values. They still respect principle. They still respect people's property. They still respect people's rights. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what color you are, what creed you are, what religion Sheridan's got it all, man. Like, yeah. Wyoming's got it all. I was there last night with my buddy. Uh, we were at the Mint last night, which is an incredible spot. Uh, and we were watching some guys play pool, and some guys walked in who definitely looked like they weren't from here. Um, yeah. And they came over to the pool table, and they were immediately like, you know, the guys playing at the table looked like they'd just gotten off a hard day working the ranch. Yeah. And they immediately invited those guys in to play with them. It, it, man, it was mint, just the Mint Bar is the perfect, like, the perfect example. You get gas and oil guys and girls. You get ranch folks. You get farm folks. You get, you know, tourists coming through here that are from Germany that, you know, like anybody, inner yeah. city folk. You get anybody and everybody that comes in there. That's the perfect kind of melting pot of, you know, if you're an you're probably gonna get punched in the mouth. Yeah, definitely. But if you're nice and decent, yeah. the D word, mm-hmm. you're decent. D word. You're gonna get it back, man. Yeah. And it's not just there; it's at any place in this town. Like it, it's not, and it's not just this town; it's this state. Yeah. Jackson Hole gets kind of beat up a little bit because it's, you know, it's a super liberal blue blue dot on the the you know on a, in a red state. But you go to Jackson Hole, and people are they're decent people. Yeah. Like they, they, I love that I, place. I, I've been there a hundred times, and nobody's ever disrespected me. And you know, I I respect. Man, I don't think it's just in Wyoming. Yeah. Man, it's respect. Like you saw this morning, we're driving, big group of bikers, and mm-hmm. you know, every what did everybody was everybody that diffused the whole entire, you know, like just changed the dynamic. You bring out an eleven pound puppy, and everybody just melts. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> really? Like, you know what I mean? Not only that, it got them to your coffee shop later. Yeah, on and in the they day. Came, yeah. and then you know, again, two hours later on their bike ride, a bunch of bikers are in here, you know, and and I bought them a cup of coffee and. And that was them, the you same know, people we had talked to. It's crazy. It is, and they're yeah. going to come back here every year when they go to Sturgis. I promise you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want, and that's what America should be. Like, yeah. I want to see the same people. That's why I have a coffee shop. We don't make money on a coffee shop. Yeah. You don't, you, you know, you got to be pretty good to make a bunch of money selling coffee yeah. 16 ounces at a time. Yeah. This, so what is it about that that brought you into it then? You know, I think bag coffee, I like the process, and obviously, obviously, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, you know, Evan Hafer. We did our first coffee together, you know, and, and that's, that has expanded from there on, you know, obviously run our own operation here. Right. You know? But, you know, for me, coffee is, coffee is conversation. Coffee is what we're talking about. Right. Coffee is an opportunity. I'm not a drinker. I, I'm not an alcohol guy. I'm, I'm actually I'm not a fan of alcohol and yeah. I, I'm going to lose some followers and listeners <laughs> when I say that I'm not judging anybody drink all you want just yeah. be safe about it and be respectful and, and understand what alcohol is right you know if you if you you know I, I've always been able to my entire life I could I could drink a bottle of whiskey 
where I can have one drink and it doesn't like I'm not I can turn it off the next day. I might have a hangover. Yeah. And I've only been drunk maybe half a dozen times in my entire life. I'm 44. But coffee, food, you know, there's things that people can bond over no matter again what color, creed, race, religion. Right. Doesn't matter, man. People yeah. people like donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like seriously, they like cake. They like burgers. Not everybody eats meat. You know what I mean? Like, I love good biscuits and gravy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and coffee's one of those things and you're yeah. seeing it. I mean, <laughs> We you've been here in the shop for five hours, mm-hmm. and there's probably been 500 people come through here. Yeah, and everybody's got a smile on their face. Probably thousands of conversations in that yeah. time. Yeah, and I, I that's why I used to roast at nighttime. Now I'm getting back to roasting during the day so I can engage people and explain, you know, what we're doing here and yeah. have a conversation and find out who they are. Yeah, you're bringing together community in a place that emphasizes community. Yeah, and we are, and it's it's just interesting to me to have a shop because you, you know last week's the perfect example, and I'm not going to mention any names, but a guy that owns one of the largest sports franchises in the world, I'm roasting coffee back there, yeah, and comes through, and I'm looking at the guy like, man, has this guy been in here before? Has he bought? Coffee? You know that thing yeah, when yeah. you see somebody, and I'm I'm and the guy's asking a lot of questions about roasting and about Sheridan, and this guy's a billionaire with a B. You know, mm. next to his bank account, wow. and which again, I shouldn't even say that. I, you know, judging people by that, but he's talking to me about coffee, and an hour and a half later, I figure out who he is, and the guy just—it just didn't matter. Yeah, like, he was so enamored by Sharon and in this shop and my puppy, and mm-hmm. you know, again, if if people that are from such different walks of life, I'm not a billionaire. I'll never be a billionaire. Yeah, but that's that to me. That's why I have a shop. Yeah. Don't it say did. that, Bird. I don't know. You might be. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I want to be, man. More mo money, mo problems. Like, <laughs> That's let's just call it what it is, yeah. man. Like mo That's, money, mo problems. That's like, the truth. But you I'm, know what's funny? The point that you made about that guy. Most of the people that are at that top level are like that. They soak in everything around them, and they realize they're not the subject matter expert in those areas. No, and they're they yeah. can take you know. But again. You know, most of those guys, I think there's some of them that are probably super insecure, but some, totally, of, some yeah. of those guys get to a point where they've, they, they know that everything in their life is under control. They have a lot of money. And that's not just a billionaire, man. Somebody that might have $100,000 cash in the bank might go, I'm good. Yeah. If my family gets sick, if my house burns down, I have insurance. But there's a certain comfort in reaching that point. Yeah. And for me, if I ever reach that point, I'm, I'm shutting everything off. Like mm. I'm, I'm going to back away yeah. and I'm going to help somebody else get to that point. Yeah. I don't want more than I need. Do you see yourself that, that way procedurally as far as, you know, this business, if you grow to that point, you want to get into mentorship and helping others. I don't know that? about mentorship. I want to have a family and I want to have, you know, I want to enjoy my life. Yeah. I want to have a, a close group of friends and I want to be involved in, I wouldn't say charity organizations, but volunteer organizations. I want to, I want to make a difference in the world. And, you know, for me, I've had an opportunity, Candace and I both, a couple of times people have wanted to buy this company. And the most recent one, we would have, we would have not had to work again, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, that's, we didn't take it. And yeah. I'm glad we didn't both times. But it's cool to but have that option, right? It, it is, um, but it's more cool. To have a company that you can pay yourself just enough that you're not greedy and you're not taking more than you need, but you can pay your bills and save some money and keep the lifestyle that maintains a happiness and an even keel. And we're both doing that. And I don't need much more than that now. Well, I do. Now I need 
there's other things I want right. for myself. Totally. The goal, there's other goals in life that I have. And, you know, I, I keep I keep saying it. I grew up in a good family dynamic. I'd love to say, you know, that I have this this hard life knock story. I don't, man. Yeah. I, you and I talked about this. Yeah, I, yeah. I grew up in a very comfortable house with nurturing parents that worked hard, that were always there for me if I needed something or even if I wanted something like, hey, you know, mom, I want some Air Jordans. You can have Air Jordans, just you have to mow 50 yards yeah. in the neighborhood to get them. Yeah, or yeah. you have to do chores here for a year. To, you know, like it was, I, I grew up in a good house. Yeah. I, I didn't have any issues at my house. I had three siblings that are great. I had good parents. I had good friends. I had good neighbors. Um, but, you know, I, I want that. Yeah. And, you know, I want the same thing. I'm starting late, yeah. but I, I want the same things. There's there's probably something to that adversity too, where you know if you sell your business and that kind of ends, and you you know you're just in that position with all that money, and you know nothing to do but relax. I I don't see you as that kind of guy, like being able to do that like completely. I see you enjoying the process, right? You enjoy the work, don't you? I do, but like a buddy of mine that I've gotten to know really well here in Sheridan owns a company called Tree Mechanics. They're the largest arborist and tree and logging you know company here. Yeah. I just say logging. They 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 do more arborist work, cutting trees down. You know, you know, taking care of trees. Um, and I've gone out several times with his crew and worked on trees where you're getting pulled up by a crane a hundred feet in the air, and you're you're hooked into a tree with with a harness, and you 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 know you're 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 chainsawing trees, and a crane's pulling that that top half of you know a couple thousand pounds of tree away from you. Man, I really love it. Really? Like, yeah. And, and and that's, you know, I think I said this to you when we talked before. My goal is to have enough money, make enough money with what I'm doing here that I can go do a $10 an hour job that I like and not have to worry mm, about money. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, people, you know, might look at me like I'm nuts. But that that's, I would love to make enough money that I could do that, yeah. that I could, that I could actually go back to a $10 an hour job or go to Garrett or somebody like that, or even Buster and say, Hey Buster, I'll go back to working for you for $10 an hour. I know that I don't have to worry about feeding my family. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's it for me, man. Like that's it. That's my goal in life. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it really is. And you know, I've also entertained a lot lately of, of joining the sheriff for police department here in Sheridan. Mm, And I've talked to, yeah. And I've talked to multiple people that work in both agencies. I don't know if I get the job, but I've I've really really I've got applications filled out from both of them completely, and that's something that I also entertain because I think I can do that and still be a part of this. And Candace is kind of taking the helm of of Bison Union and Bison Union Coffee. She's good at it, um, and it's okay if she makes more money than I, you know. Yeah. I'm over that, but I'm over that now because my I killed my ego, man. Yeah, you know, and I keep saying that, and I'm I'm working on the trademark for it. Kill your ego, not yourself, and I don't mean f- literally don't kill yourself. I do. Right. That's part of it. Yeah. But when I say don't kill yourself, don't ruin your life because of your ego. Right. Yeah. Kill your ego, not yourself. Totally. And that to me, I say that that's one of the 20 things I say every day. Yeah. Bert, kill your ego, not yourself. Yeah. And you know, that's important to me. What has been the most challenging aspect of owning all these businesses together now that you have these businesses and this kind of conglomerate? What, what is, been the most difficult hands down for me working with somebody that i live with yeah and spend 24 hours a day with and then right second after that is employees yeah 
Yeah. You know, I think anybody that owns a business will tell you the hardest thing they do in their business is, is deal with human terrain and human capital. And that's, that's employees. Mm. We've had great employees here. I don't think we've ever had one bad employee, Yeah. but it's just, you know, the more employees you have, it just adds another variable with 800 variables attached to that variable and 800 variables. It just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, if I could you know, I love, we have a really good team right now, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. We have a phenomenal team, but when you own a business, one, you have to trust somebody to run your business, whether it's taking the trash out or being a barista or doing fulfillment to run it as well as you would run it. Mm -hmm. And as you know, when we first met, Candace and I did everything. Yeah. The website, the shipping, the labels, we did everything that we sold we touched a hundred times. Yeah. You were still in that peacemaker trading territory. We were, and we were doing really well. And oddly enough, we were making more money. The company was making more money overall. Yeah. But you know, as a business owner, you also have to be willing to take a marginal salary for a while. And you have to put a lot of that money back into a company. Right. You can't just go, Hey, I'm going to start a lifestyle brand. Oh, I made a hundred thousand dollars in revenue this year. I'm going to pay myself 50. It doesn't work that way. Right. Your company will last two years mm, yeah. or, or you'll just keep getting loans and you'll keep getting into the hole. You know, it's man. I think that's one of the harder things for me Yeah. because I'll watch somebody and we'll have one employee that, and this is not now we've got a good team now, but you, you'd watch one employee that goes way above and beyond and is better than me at something. And I've always looked at people like that and gone, yes, <laughs> yeah, I you found know, that guy. I want somebody to be better at roasting. Yeah. I want somebody to be better at selling our stuff. All the good I want business somebody owners. To, I want somebody to, to, to be better at ever folding T-shirts. Yeah, you know, to the highest level sales, marketing. I want somebody to be better at everything than me. And I think there's business owners out there that hold on to that like it's the holy grail. Yeah, like, you can't be better than me because you're gonna take my job. I'm sitting back here going, take my job because then I can go do another one and make us money through a different revenue stream or I can go do marketing or I can go do branding or content or I can take a week off and do nothing but stare at a river on my property and listen to the wind, talk to the trees. Like, I'm fine with that. I think I I don't remember who exactly it was. It might have been it might have been Evan Hafer, but one of those guys that I've interviewed and I spoke with, they said one of the best things they did. They said, "I'm not a great businessman, but I'm very good at surrounding myself with smart people." That's probably Evan. Yeah, he, that's Evan to yeah. a T. Like he's yeah. very he, he's he always he hires good people. He hires smart people. Yeah, um, he's a smart guy, by the way. One of the smartest guys I've ever met, um, hands down. Like he's, there's is very smart. There, there's no, but he's smart. He's not just smart, you know, like when you say smart in business, people think numbers and money and savvy. You know, he's smart in the sense that you can bring up Teddy Roosevelt and he'll give you a hundred facts you didn't know about him. <laughs> yeah. You can talk about fly fishing. You can talk, pick any subject and he's going to have some kind of knowledge on it because he just, but, and I don't mind saying this, he's also got a disease. Hmm. His brain doesn't ever shut down. Oh, I bet. I can imagine. He doesn't shut down. You know, when I was working with him at doing stuff for Black Rifle and we were partnering at the same time on Bison Union, you know, you could text Evan at 2 o'clock in the morning he was up. You could text him at 5 in the morning he was up. Wow. And it's not because he has issues sleeping. Yeah. It's because his brain moves 100 miles an hour 100% of the time. Yeah. It seems like that. 
And, and I know and he's not, he's one of 20 guys I know like that. Yeah. And that, that's why, that's why he's got a company that sells $80 million worth of coffee a year. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it just is what it is. Right. Um, but there, I know a lot of people like that. I had new people like that growing up that are, you know, now orthopedic surgeons or brain surgeons. They're, they're just some people and it's okay to admit it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, and I'm, I don't mean to be crass here, but it's like, being in the locker room, man, we're all built differently. Yeah. Like it is what it is. Some people are going to be taller. Some people are going to be smarter. Some people are going to be bigger, faster, stronger. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. okay. Yeah. It's okay, man. Like yeah. love who you are because you can't change a lot of this stuff. You're not going to be LeBron James. And that's no, all you right. can change, yeah. you can change your outfit. But you yeah. can't change yourself. Right. Like that. You yeah. can't physically change yourself unless you get surgery or you're, you know, you you can I shouldn't say that you can work on yourself and you can go to the gym and you can run and you can bike and swim and do all these great things and you can build a physique, but you can't change your neurotransmitters. You right. can't build more of those. You can't change. There's a lot of stuff that we inherently got from our parents and their parents and genetics that you cannot change. Yeah, I can't read ten books like Evan Hafen. Remember, hey Evan, what was page sixty-eight? He'll tell you. <laughs> Jeez. You know, and Candace is built the same way. There's ten people like that that I know that you know. Y- you'll say, hey, what did I spend? You know, there's a charge on the Amex business card from November seventh, and Candace will stare at the ceiling, or she'll put her hand on her face like this, uh-huh. and she'll just stop, dead, and she'll go, oh, that was seventeen dollars and twenty-one cents, and that was at. That was at Home Depot for L brackets for the beams that we have in here. <laughs> Man, I, I don't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. Don't, man. You're not that Sorry. guy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay because, you know, I can put out 40 designs tomorrow yeah. if I don't sleep tonight and I, you know, get a little caffeine in me. And I love your designs. You know, I can, I can do that in my sleep. Yeah. Um, and an I never, artist. well, I'm not though. Like I, I, if you gave me a pen and paper and told me to draw a bird yeah. and then somebody called me out on it last week and did that, they said, here, draw a parrot. Right. Oh, it's worst parrot drawing <laughs> in the history of the world. But if you ask me to design a t-shirt with some programs on the internet and a designer helping me, I'll put out the best parrot t-shirt I think in the world. Yeah. And that's not an ego. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my confidence in what I do. Yeah. That's awesome. And you should have that confidence in what you do because you've got a great brand here. Yeah, we're getting there. We've got a lot of new stuff coming out. We've got a lot of partnerships coming out that are with good people. I'm excited. That's uh, awesome. I'm more excited about anything we've ever done at Bison Union now than I ever have been. What's your place of mental, you know, calm, you know, within this, within the world that you're in? Obviously, this is a stressful, and you said, you've said it, it's not any bad stress really, but it, it is a tough thing to have this many businesses. Like that is tough. And to me, w- what brings you that mental calm? Uh, it, it, it's so funny because in the last two months, specifically in the last month, I get, I get a lot of messages in an in Instagram, both on the business account and my personal account. And I've got a lot of text messages in the last Last month I was, you know, posting stuff, just being me and people were like, dude, are you okay? Which is good. Yeah. People were throwing out buoys and I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, you're reading this wrong. I'm happier than I've ever been. I think I asked you myself. You you did. (laughs) No, but you're not guilty. Like it's the right thing to do. Right. If somebody throws up red flags one way or the other, whether it's manic or depressive, people need to go, you good, man? Yeah. Um, If people don't, people should be doing that. Yeah. But then the, the shift happened. 
and I got this puppy and I've got some other things in my life that I don't want to talk about that are, you know, the best I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm happier than I've ever been. And you asked that question, but the amount of people that are messaging me going, man, I ha- I've never seen, I've known you for 35 years and I've never seen you smile like that. Yeah. Um, that's important to me. That is, that's, yeah. That feedback is way better than, man, you got a lot of cool shit and make a lot of money, mm-hmm. which I don't make a lot of money, by the way. Like, <laughs> I can't stress that enough. But, you know, for me, that, that piece of property... Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm not going to say how much the property was, but in the grand scheme of things, it's I, I, anybody that's ever bought a house. I don't think it's much more than you paid for your house anywhere in an urban area in the United States, yeah. or a half hour outside of an urban area. I think it's, you know, I spent a, we spent we spent a moderate amount of money on it, and that is my Shangri La, like mm. that is my temple, that is my church, that is my everything. When I drive down my driveway and I see a river and I see, you know, a thousand ponderosa pines and i see a cabin that was built in the 1930s that's 800 it's 800 square feet wow if you poop somebody's hearing it if you're (laughs) in that place like if you pee if you burp like it is small like it is very very small and i joke about that like i will literally tell people that are there hey man i gotta poop you need to go outside because i don't don't want you to hear me poop (laughs) but but for me that's it man like that is that's it for me yeah like I go back there and there's chickens running around, there's dogs running around. I got more whitetail and, you know, I got more whitetail and, and mule deer and moose running through my yard. I've seen two mountain lions on the property. And right now I got a bear that comes back probably three nights a week. And man, that's my place, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's my place. Yeah. It's special. Yeah. Yeah. I see that in your stories all the time. I'm like, I can tell that means a lot to you. Yeah, and I, I keep telling veterans, man, like, get out of the cookie-cutter BS. Yeah. Like, you need calm, you need tranquility, buy a piece of property, get some livestock, do, find, build a build a base camp yeah. that isn't getting shot at, yeah. and missiles launched at, and rockets launched at, like, build a base camp like that's what we are comfortable in Mm -hmm. build one of your own that's inviting that's comfortable and that's what i'm doing and i don't want to sound like a militia weirdo like i i own very few guns these days like i i do i just do i own enough to protect my property and the people around me yeah protect them very well but but for me like man i can't stress it enough i can't stress it enough if you're not happy if your home is in a happy place i don't work anymore from the house no, when not I, at all. When I go home, mm. I do not work. I yeah. don't take work calls. I don't answer work emails. My house and cabin and my property is for my peace of mind and my well-being. Yeah. It, it stops. Yeah. People want to build home offices, COVID. They want to work out of their houses. Good fucking luck. Yeah. It's going to eat your lunch. That disconnect is special. It's going to eat your lunch. Yeah. You need to live in a different place than you work. Yeah. Period. Well, now connecting those two, I think, leads to a lot of negatives in mental health. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. You, you never shut down. You never stop. And, and people think they're being productive. Well, I can do this from my house. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your work to life ratio and quality? Because yeah. I'm telling you, it's probably sh- Yeah. You, you, somebody's suffering. I would Whether agree. Your dog, if you're single and you have it, your cat, your bird, your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, boyfriend, somebody's going to pay for your work. Yeah. And it's not good. My father always did a really good job of that. He worked super hard his whole life in some pretty, you know, big positions. And now he's a regional uh, procurement manager for a big medical tech sales company in San Antonio. And he always does a really good job of coming home and just making it that. 
and just making it about my mom. Man, it's it's. I don't work anymore when I get when I go home. Yeah. If I have to work, and I have to, and it's an emergency, I get in my truck, grab my puppy, or grab one of my dogs, and I come down here, and I'll sit at the same table in the coffee shop, even if it's at midnight, and I'll work here. Yeah. I don't work at home anymore. That's cool. I don't have a computer at home anymore. Wow. I'm taking the TVs out tomorrow. Wow. All of them. My Hurt. my phone my phone is going to be on do not disturb at seven o'clock at night unless it's emergency only. You know, yeah. I just and I'm telling you my quality of life is improved so much. I sit in a rocking chair probably sixteen to twenty four hours a week at night and I watch a river that. with a dog. Yeah. Dog's <laughs> just playing. I would too if I lived at your house. <laughs> that story's amazing, man. Yeah. If I could give any advice to anybody listening to this, buy some property, buy some property somewhere you would want a vacation. Yeah, that's cool. Like, just do it. And people are like, well, I don't have money. Right now, I just refinanced my house mm-hmm. for 2.13%. That's, wow. that's, there's no such thing as free money. Yeah. But that's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's true. you know, you can do this. People yeah. can do this. If there's ever a time in the United States in our generation or the generations on both side of me to buy property mm-hmm. or buy a house somewhere that you want to live, now is the time to do it. Where do you, you know, finally, I'd like to know where do you see this going for you? If Bison Union and the company and all that and Bert Coons, how do you want people to remember what you've done i don't want earth. anybody to remember anything about <laughs> me. like i just don't man you don't care that, about that's that, an huh? easy answer i just yeah. want to i just want to move off into the sunset in a wagon with <laughs> you know a wife and kids and and just enjoy my life in the mountains and you know this this bison union thing i'm going to say it now and i hope people that listen to this and you and yeah hold me to it i want to give it all to candace and walk away and really you know still do branding still do marketing but i would love to turn the keys over and and move on, but still be a part of it. Yeah. You know, I just would, and that's not me shrugging my responsibility and being lazy. That's me saying, Hey, I know it'll be in good hands, but I want to get to a point where I'm part of the company. I'm an owner. I'm doing the designs, branding, sales, marketing, and I want to be out on the road in an RV with a bison union on the side of it. And I want to be shaking as many hands as I can and talking to people about America and working hard and giving them coffee samples and talking about life. Talking yeah. about this, yeah, but I don't want it to be in the confines of a building or confine. I want to be on the road, pounding the ground and meeting other people. Yeah, that's what I like most about the project. Is you know, I was telling my buddy, he was like, "Man, I could live here." You know, when I was on my last project, and I said, I said to him. Uh, I don't know that I could. And he was like, why? I said, dude, I want to go from ho- horseback riding to inner city kid to, That's it. to you know, suburban home, you know, to, to New York City streets. I want to go cover it all. I want to meet everybody in their environment where they're at. Yeah. Do I love it out here some of the most? Yeah. Sheridan, Wyoming is amazing. I love yeah. this area. But I like going to Florida. I love going to the East Coast. I love going West Coast all the way. I love going to Texas. Uh, you know, north, you know, Midwest. I love it all because it's all a collection of experiences, and you're getting to meet the community, the greater community. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, I, I having a home base like my cabin and my little slice of America. Yeah, is great. But I think there's also something to be said that our grandparents and great grandparents got really well, and that was kind of the birth and the golden age of RVing and camping. Yeah, you know, obviously it's a different world. You can't hitchhike and 
you know, you can't yeah, travel across size. the world. You're gonna end up, <laughs> you're gonna end up buried in the desert with, you know, your body probably chopped up some, in thousand yeah. pieces. Yeah. And I don't want to be morbid, but it's just a different time, and people that are evil have gotten more blatantly evil yeah. and just don't care. And they become more innovative with their ways of being evil. They have, and our, you know, our, our criminal system, you know, hats off to the people that work in the corrections institutions because I think people, you know, we're living a time where certain criminals go. Man, I'm better off in there. Yeah, you know, I get three three hots in a cot, yeah. and what a terrible place to be. Man. But but I think there's yeah. people that look at that as going, ah, oh, that's a lot easier than trying to fend off, you know, get a job and actually work for a living. Yeah, yeah. And just the amount of people that are brazenly committing crimes and murders and rapes and kidnappings and you know shooting police officers and just the chaos that's going on right now. But I think our grandparents got it. Like, you know, our grandparents specifically, 70s, 60s, 70s people got it. Yeah. Like, get in a camper, get in an RV, go to a national park for a week and just unplug. And back then, unplugging was easier because everybody's phone was attached to their wall yeah. at their house. But, man, that I think I think people need to do that. And the beauty of being in Sheridan, we're smack dab on the, the route from everybody from the East Coast coming to Yellowstone. That's cool. So you, you're, you've seen probably now we're probably at five or 600 people come through here. Yeah. And I'd say 80% of them, 50, 60, 70, 80% of them are tourists. Yeah. But it's just so good. And with COVID, like the, the plus side of this is people are, are unplugging. Yeah. They're going, hey, let's get an RV and just drive around the country. Yeah. I've seen so many of my friends do that that never – these these mother mo frackers wouldn't <laughs> you know they don't like leaving their neighborhood yeah. if they don't have to and they're like like what are you doing well we're coming through town man we we rented an about rv to kill my the, wife no, i gotta get an yeah. rv <laughs> we're, we're renting an rv with all of our kids and we're driving to yellowstone into glacier national park and i'm like dude you don't even go to the parks in your city for five minutes and <laughs> this is awesome this is great yeah yeah that's some of the good that's come out of this for sure yeah definitely seen some of that that that's it for me man i don't i don't and and people are going to misconstrue this like oh bert's giving his business to his wife no that's not the case i just trust her more than i trust you know almost anybody on this planet and i know she's never going to ruin this business yeah and she's earned it you know and i think i think that's the next step for me is to to get away from the day-to-day operations because I'm not very good at it. You know, like it's pretty simple for me. If the trash needs to go out, take the f-ing trash out, but you can't have that mentality. Right. You know, Candace is like, Hey, we'll get to it. Yeah. You know, the trash is going to get taken out. Yeah. She's definitely a special she's person. Like, she's like that with everything. And I think, you know, I think she's better. I don't think she is better at way better at the business side of stuff. But you know, for me, that's my next, that's the answer your question. That's it for me. I've got some other projects, some other companies. I'm actually just took a job with another company helping them with, you know, some projects that, you know, that, that my wheelhouse is become creative branding. What's cool. Like that's what I like to do, and yeah. I like I want to do it for other people, and I want to do it from an RV, yeah. you know, and spend time in the mountains here, or the cabin. But I also want to get out and get away, and you know, see people and see America. Yeah. My goal is to hit every Dairy Queen west of the Mississippi. <laughs> so <laughs> you're doing pretty good that's, at that's it so that, far. Yeah, I'm like, working yeah. it, man. Especially the grill and chills, man. Like yeah. I <laughs> grill and chill. Yeah. Nothing better than that dip cone either. No, yeah. no. And now they have this icy with ice cream in the middle of it. Man. Oh my it's gosh, like, it's just a slushy, slushy with a ball of anyway. Well, I know where I'm going after this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. 
Bert, uh, I really wanted to thank you so much for hosting me here and just showing me around the shop. Oh, anytime. It's, it's been a while, man, and uh, I, it's, it's been know, too long. What you're doing is special, and I've said it since day one. Like You should have a million followers. Yeah. Everything you're doing is, is what's right in the, the veteran community, and you're highlighting veterans in the right manner, and it's a manner that's self-deprecating, and he, there's humility, and there's hard work, and there's sweat and blood and tears, and you know the veterans project is just awesome i'm i'm sorry we didn't get to talk more about veterans issues and stuff like that it was good to just talk uh, yeah but man what you're doing is important to to me i've been watching you since what probably month two yeah month three pretty soon yeah um and i hope this thing i've been saying it for two years i hope this thing takes off yeah. like I, I really do more people need to pay attention to it thank you man i appreciate that yeah i, I uh it's it's interesting, you know, we have these discussions. I've on the podcast side, I've kind of, you know, with the project I kind of let it shape itself, you know. Yeah. Like I had questions and I had ideas in my head of what I wanted that interview to be, but with the podcast I've really just let the conversation take itself where it it's needed great. to go. It's you great. Know? We might talk about veteran issues. We might talk about your life where it's at now. We, we're definitely going to discuss reintegration at some point. Yeah. You know, we do that. But, you know, it's it's important to me that we discuss what you want to discuss because that's going to be the place that you're most comfortable anyways, you know. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, people, be, you have a this kind of podcast or format. If people can come on and just be themselves and, you know, it, it's. I just wish more people would let their guard down and be vulnerable. Like it's, it's, it's a, it, it's freeing. We need to work on that. Yeah. It's, it's freeing, man. <laughs> yeah. if, mo if more people just said, Hey, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I, I need help. Yeah. I'm not perfect. I, can you just listen to my f so I can get him off my chest? <laughs> and can I ask you how you did this? So I don't do that. Like more people just need to be vulnerable, yeah. whether it's asking questions, whether it's asking for help, whether it's just opening up your personality to people, you, you know? Yeah. It's I've remarkable. learned so much. I've learned so much from myself, and it's being vulnerable and asking those questions. Yeah, it's it like, is. You know, it, it is. It's hard. It's hard to get there. But you found. You know, I found within the space of six years, I've never grown so much in my life. Yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Learning, yeah, Man, it just is. Well, Bert, I appreciate you having me. I've got to call my hotel. <laughs> oh, you're in Sheridan, yeah. Wyoming. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not going to care. No, they're not going to care. <laughs> they kept my room for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay an extra night. <laughs> I appreciate you putting Absolutely. me up, man. Absolutely. Taking care of me, brother. Absolutely. Anytime. You're you're welcome. Anybody that's listening, come to Sheridan. It's a great town. Come yes, visit. please come. Come by here. Come, come. Not just come to the coffee shop. Like, I don't care if you come in here or not. I'd like you to. So I, I do. Say I hi. want you to try it. <laughs> but, you know, come to Sh give, give Sheridan, Wyoming, and Wyoming a shot. If you've never been here, come, come visit. It's a great state with great people. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Uh, so where do they get to the coffee? It's bisonunion.com or be the bison.com. You know, all of our products, coffee, hats, T-shirts, all of our merchant apparels on there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it. I'm not really good at this. Like, I, you know, people will find us. If they find us, they find us. They'll find I, you. I'd, I'd, rather, <laughs> I'd much rather people listen to the, some of the stuff that I just said about just changing your life and being more positive. Absolutely. And, and removing toxicity and toxic people and jobs and chemicals out of your life like yeah. man if i can do this at anybody can and you know it, I, I keep saying it, it's my trademark slogan now it, it's a good day to be alive don't f don't f it up like, yeah just don't man yeah i love that that's a good sign off too yes we sir appreciate it bert well thanks tim for those of you that are listening out there don't forget to rate review subscribe and most of all don't forget our legacies are the mission this has been the veterans project podcast with our founder tim k 
check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook The Veterans Project, and Twitter at Project underscore Veteran. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, our legacies are the mission. <laughs>